LSG Media presents a Game of Thrones podcast. The dragon and the wolf, Jessica. The dragon and the wolf have mated. And I don't know if you can do that. And I don't know. Maybe you can tell me you're the, uh, the veterinarian type. No. They'd hand you that. Dragons and wolves cannot mate. Is that correct? That is an official ruling. That is an official ruling. Well, I got to say, I am uh, I am shocked at how quickly the season has ended. I feel like we were just talking about the first episode, Dragon or Stormborn or whatever the fuck. One Here's of those, the name of it. Yeah, one of those first ones. <laughs> Dragonstone, Stormborn, whatever the fuck. Um, I feel like we were just talking about those. And here we are at the end. At the end with only six more episodes to go, this is depressing. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the positive. And the end. negative. Yep, we'll, we'll talk. We have to talk about some of the negative, but we're going to focus on the positive and, uh, and go out in style here. And then apparently you've been pr- promising people a recap podcast. So I guess we're on the hook for another one after this week. Well, we've done a recap podcast every season and that's the one podcast we actually have done and the listeners haven't tricked us into thinking we did when we don't do it. So that one we kind of have to do. And I don't know when we're going to do it, guys, but we'll make it work, I promise. Yeah. So there you go. It's been promised. There will be another episode after this one. The podcast that was promised. Which is typically when we go through each episode um, description on Wikipedia and sort of just retalk about it and how it plays into the whole. But we're not doing that tonight. We're going to talk about the dragon and the wolf. And there's plenty to talk about. I'm, in, I'm, I'm pumped about this. I'm going to let you go first because sometimes you get a little ornery when I go first. because Only I you interrupt me. As, like I just did to like you. Like you just did to me. That's one <laughs> color in the hash marks. That's one interruption. Um, and I'm going to let you go. So uh, why don't you tell me about, just give me some thoughts about this. Go a little freeform if you don't mind. Sure, I'd love to. Um, every finale of Game of Thrones cannot be the best finale in the history of Game of Thrones. This is a bad disclaimer. We've already had the best and the second best and probably the third best. This was a good finale, though. I like this episode overall. It it was emotionally really great to watch, and there was a lot of great stuff. I loved everybody together and interacting. Um, there, there was a, a lot of there was a lot of good stuff that happened. There, there there have been worst episodes by far, including there have been worst episodes this season. Um, so I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. Um, I think a lot of this we kind of all knew were was coming a little. Like mm-hmm. I think we all were like, oh, they're gonna, you know, double cross Littlefinger, and oh, they're the dragon's gonna take down the wall. And I feel like this is all stuff we've talked about and stuff that we kind of assumed was coming, but it was executed very well, so that it was exciting to watch. Um, that being said, I still have a lot of problems with how we came to the Littlefinger scene, although all that stuff in this episode was fantastic in this episode. And we've addressed most of that. Yeah. Getting there, right? Yeah, but it needs to be addressed again today for sure. Um, So, yeah, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have a high death count. We didn't have a lot of action. It was more politics. But there was a lot to like and a lot to talk about. Awesome. What's your standout moment? I, I I did like the stuff with Littlefinger, even though, again, I I feel it's questionable. I liked the last scene of the episode. It was fantastic, even though we kind of all saw it coming. Um, the boning? No, no. That was... No, 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 no. 
that was not standout and that I hated the end. Wow. It's the worst to me. Okay. Um, We're going to go deep on that tonight. There there was some great stuff too with... um, I got a glass of bourbon. With your boyfriend, Jamie Lannister. Mm. He was pretty fantastic this episode, I have to say. I'm sorry, can you say that again? He was pretty fantastic this episode. Can you say the whole thing again? Your boyfriend, Jamie Lannister, whom you have a poster of above the bed that you look at every night before you go to sleep and kiss. It's true. He was fairly fantastic. He was what? He was fantastic. Say that last word again? No. Jamie was what? No. Fantastic? One more time? Oh, uh, not about Jamie. Elfie Allen is a fucking fantastic actor. And the two main scenes with Theon in this episode were fantastic also. Yeah. Really. Right. I feel very strongly about Alfie Allen and how much I love him as an actor. It's true. All right. So, um, well, should I go? You may. Awesome. Uh, I really liked this episode a lot. I thought it was great. Um, I really enjoyed the... I really enjoyed the stuff. The individual discussions were... Definitely Game of Thrones esque. I felt like the discussions between Jamie and Cersei were Game of Thrones esque, and I felt like the discussions between Cersei and Tyrion were not just Game of Thrones esque, but utterly shocking yet completely believable. Um, I of course enjoyed the discussions on a whole at the Dragon Pit, but the more intimate discussions ruled the day for me. Uh, John and Theon, Cersei. And Jamie, uh, Cersei, and Tyrion. Those those were fantastic. Those really made the day for me. Um, I thought we saw some great stuff this week. Um, some unpredictable things this week, and uh, some question marks this week that really linger in my head about where we're going with certain characters. And I mean that as a positive. Uh, I'm not sure what Tyrion was thinking at the end of the episode. I'm I'm looking forward to discussing that. I don't. Maybe Jamie is not the Volencar. Maybe he's not going to strangle Cersei unless he gets captured and brought back to her before. He, maybe he never makes it to Winterfell. I don't know. But there's some things to think about here. Um, I know there's a lot of speculation as to the motives of Tyrion after the meeting with Cersei, which we never saw the entirety of. Uh, is there a possible betrayal lurking in uh, Tyrion's future that he might spring? I don't know. I know there's talk about that. People don't want to think that because Tyrion's typically making the the good choices, the choices that are the audience seems to want to go along with. So it would be a weird twist of fate should he turn against our current uh, protagonists. I don't know if that's a reality or if we're reading into shit. But I like this. Uh, there is a big highlight of this episode for me is the music. Um, I obviously don't have any tracks queued up to play and to discuss, but... They should be mentioned, and they will be mentioned along the way. But overall, I just want to say the music in this show is second to none. Um, It continues to be consistently wonderful. I think the season finale last year uh, gave us the best composition yet. Uh, And we continue to see that not only is the music interesting, but each character or each faction seems to have a motif surrounding it. And uh, they were used to great effect in the blending of the composition when they met at the Dragon Pit. And I just think that that should be mentioned. The music is standout, fantastic. Um, Some really clever blending of the themes 
uh, into one another that I thought was just beautiful and um, a real pleasant soundscape. Uh, the, the, the blocking of the dragon pit impressed me. The way people were shot, the reaction shots, the way people sat. Uh, it was just well done television, in my opinion. Um, even if the dialogue wasn't quite what it was behind closed doors in the individual moments, um, it was it was something to it was something to witness. I just thought this episode had a lot going for it. Um, there's nothing about the episode in question that overly bothered me. I know that the groundwork which came in the episodes prior had some issues. Um, I personally feel like we've talked about them quite a bit. I am looking forward to talking about them some more. Um, some other questions I have. I want to talk about uh, something I jokingly said last year when we were covering the show, which is, is incest objectively wrong? I think we're going to revisit that tonight. It's an interesting thing to think about that people are thinking one way about Jamie and Cersei because they were classically antagonists in the way people think about John and Danny as they're classically protagonists. So all kinds of shit to talk about tonight. I'm hoping we can get to it all. Um, if not, we will have one more episode, as Jessica promised, um, at some point before the next season. So keep your ears on the feed for that. Um, all right, Jessica, let's dive into it before I get too, too deep, and we will make our way through it. I'm going to let you deep take... John Snow. That's right. I'm going to let you take the reins. I'm going to let you tell me uh, how you want to run this shit, and uh, hop in the co-pilot seat for a minute until it comes time to uh, play these scenes out. All right. Um, so the majority of our action really takes place in King's Landing and what comes from King's Landing. Agreed. Um, other than that, there's really two, only, two other things that are completely unrelated, and that's Winterfell and our brief moment at Eastwatch by the Sea. Okay. Um, but our last scene kind of leads into that. So I figure we just get the Winterfell stuff done first and then move on to the meat of the episode, which is everything else. Awesome. All right. Give me a second here. So one, two, just arranging some notes. I told you this before you even took notes. <laughs> Three. Don't get Tyler nervous. Sparks, I'm being honest. Dean was jerking off GOT. Four. Okay. Nice. Um, holy shit, I got a lot of notes. Five. It's a lot of pages this week, huh? I did take a lot of pages of notes. Good Lord. Six. Seven. Okay, so Winterfell. Starting on page six of minutes. If I shuffle these up, then they're fucked. All right. Project based at the scene. Go right ahead, good sir. Okay, so at Winterfell, here's what we have. We have Littlefinger and Sansa start things off. Okay. Uh, Sansa essentially what I'm getting the impression here, she starts to bait Littlefinger. Uh, that's the way I took it almost immediately. Uh, baits Littlefinger by complaining about John. Uh, Littlefinger kind of falls into this. I can't believe he would ever. He, uh, I can't believe he would surrender the crown without consulting you. Um, some more things that are said here. He says the Dragon Queen is beautiful. John is young and unmarried. Together they'd be difficult to defeat. He was named King of the North. He can be unnamed. These are all treacherous words out of Littlefinger's mouth. Mm -hmm. She says, even if I wanted to, Arya wouldn't go along. Littlefinger says, would Arya murder her own sister? Question mark. And Sansa asks Littlefinger if he knows who the Faceless Men are. Littlefinger says he doesn't trust godly men, and they continue. And he says this. Sometimes when I try to learn a person's motives, I play a little game. I assume the worst. What is the worst reason they could have for saying what they say and doing what they do? Then I ask myself, how well does that reason explain what they say and what they do? So tell me. Tell me, what's the worst thing that she could want? Right? Mm -hmm. Sansa says something along the lines of, she could want me dead because I wronged my family. The little finger then leads the witness, as it were, 
as uh, as he's fond of doing. But little, but Sansa sort of is a little too smart for this and knows. And that's when he asks, after she murders you, what does she become? To become Lady of Winterfell. So this is the scene that leads to his demise. This is the final decision here. Talk to me about this. This is interesting because I, I agree with you, especially rewatching it. She's completely baiting Littlefinger the whole time. She doesn't mean any of the things she's saying. She's trying to test him and to see how far he would go. Um, and the biggest telling point in all of this is when she says, what would Arya want to become when she murders Sansa? And the answer is Lady of Winterfell. And we all know, and Sansa knows very, very well, that Arya never wants to be Lady of Winterfell. That never. There, there's no way that even Sansa's most darkest moment that she would ever believe that. And that to me is proof that she's just, you know, she's trying to see what Littlefinger would say. She's trying to get him backed into a corner so that she can turn on him without him suspecting it. She wants him to think that she is walking right into what he wants, but it's kind of the other way around. Correct. Yep. She thinks that she, he thinks he's leading her along and she's, she's pretending to be led along in an attempt to trap him with his, his mouth. His mouth is going to get him in trouble here, right? Right. I like this. I like the tell of Sansa sitting back and touching her mouth. She did that in the last episode. When, when she, she sent, sent Bran away. away I, I found that tell interesting. She did the same exact thing when you could see her plotting beginning. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and this was great. It was awesome. Except everything leading up to this doesn't make sense with this. Right. Because you believe that, as we move into the next scene at Winterfell, because you are of the opinion that Arya knew about the setup before she was summoned. 100%. Okay. What is the evidence that you'd like to present for your case? Well, are we going to talk about that scene now? Yeah, we're there. Sure. Well, she's on the wall. Sansa's on the wall. I like this scene. I like how she closes her eyes, contemplates the task to come, and says, have my sister brought to the Great Hall. She tells this guard to go get Arya, right? And then Arya comes in. She looks around, and I'm going to stop here and let you tell me why you believe this. So there are the guards. I don't disbelieve it, by the way. There are guards, and there are everything everywhere. They're sitting at the table. Arya's totally calm. She looks around. She looks at Littlefinger, and she says, are you sure you want to do this? Um, And Sansa gives her speech, and Arya says, all right, then, get on with it. There's never any point where Arya seems confused, concerned. She looks completely calm about everything. Like she knows what is to come. She's also ready to murder him at the exact right moment. Everything that goes, that passes in between the sisters, the way they accuse Littlefinger, how they both have charges to bring against him. It's clear that they had a conversation with one another before this all occurred. Uh I don't know if that's compelling. I don't know if every single Lord in the room knew about this. No, none of them knew. Because then Littlefinger would have found out. Right. Of course. But they can only trust each other. And the only way they could possibly trust each other is to not tell anybody else, which is why that guard was sent to go get little Garia, right? To keep that going. Right, right. So you, you make a compelling case in that you're saying the way it plays out in a dialogue, right? The way they kind of play charges off of one and, another. And just Arya's reaction to being brought into the room. She's not surprised. She's not scared. I don't know if totally compelled because I would think Arya wouldn't be surprised or scared based on her training to date. Knowing Arya how I know her, right? Sure. Why would she ask? So here's my question. I have a question. Arya says, are you sure you want to do this? She probably, do you think she's really asking if Sansa wants to kill Littlefinger? 
Or you think it's part I of I think the she's ploy. playing along. Don't forget, she spent that time with that acting company, with that lady. She's put on faces and pretended to be other people a million times. Sure. And her reaction too, when she says, you stand accused, little finger, or like steps aside and almost does like a little, like almost like a smile. You know? Well, yeah, she's also pretty, she can't wait for this guy to get got. Right, but but if all of a sudden she thinks that Sansa's about to put her to death and Sansa's like, JK, it's Littlefinger. You don't think Arya would be like, oh, phew. Mm. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I think you're right. And and, and you have to remember too that at the end when Sansa says, um, you know, you did that or whatever. And Arya's like, no, I didn't. I was just the executioner. You did it. I, I think that's also this last moment of this is what we're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I I just feel her reaction, the way they interact with one another, the way she killed him with the, his own knife. That was beautiful. Uh, there's no way that they had not, all three of them sat down and talked about this prior. So the next, so in these questions I'm going to present don't really matter. They're just more conversational. So do you think those lords thought Arya's on trial for just a second? Probably. Probably, right? Because, uh, because Littlefinger was there first. Probably, so yeah. word probably spread, hey, blah, blah, blah. We're going to get together for a thing. Right. And they quietly assemble the lords, and then they summon Arya. Arya already knows, right? Because you can't really do it the other way. Because Littlefinger's, like you said, is going to find out, right? Exactly. If anybody else knows, he'll find out. Yeah, uh, Bran's involvement too obviously suggests that there was a discussion beforehand, right? At least between Sansa and Bran. And if we're to believe Arya was part of this, but final... Arya knew stuff that she had to hear from Bran too, right? Sorry, I know I interrupted you, no, but that's okay. there's no way that Arya and Bran didn't talk. Right, and that comes in this dialogue here. Right. Which is, um, it's not what I want, but what honor demands. What does honor want? That I defend the North from my enemies somewhere along the says, You stand accused of murder, you stand accused of treason. How do you answer these charges, Lord Baelish? Uh, my sister asked you a question, and um, he goes on to say about Aunt Lysa, the conspiracy to kill John Aaron. Uh, a letter telling them that it was the Lannisters, but it was really you. You started the conflict between the Starks and the Lannisters. Um, you started the conflict between the Starks and the Lannisters. I'm going to bracket that. Okay. Um, it was you, the conflict. You started, you conspired with Cersei to betray our father. And then Bran pipes up. You held a knife to our father's throat. Sansa continues. You turn family against family. Uh, I'm a slow learner, but I learn. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. And, and the important thing too is Littlefinger immediately denies the um, the Joffrey and Cersei against Ned Stark. He says, none of you were there to see what happened. And that's when Bran says, you held a knife to his throat. You said, I did not I did warn you not to trust me. Right. So Bran is proving again, because he's already said the cast is a ladder thing, that actually I do. Yes. Thanks. So, bye. <laughs> Bring, bye. Uh, Give me a chance to defend myself. He then asks Jan Royce for an escort back to the Eyrie. That doesn't work. Little fingers, betrayals all kind of come out. Uh, thank you for all your many lessons, Lord Baelish. I will never forget them. Um, his final word is Sansa before um, his throat was cut. But there's plenty to discuss here about some acting. Um, there's plenty to discuss here about uh, the little finger put up enough of a fight. Oh. I know that was one of John Margerton's oh, really? concerns. Uh, so yeah, what do you want? What else do you want to talk about here? Oh, I mean, all of the things that you just said. Where, right. where shall we begin? Wherever you'd like. Take it away. Um. So, I, gosh, I don't know. I, I feel like I have to just, and I know like you don't want to beat a dead horse. but, but Go for I, it. This scene is fantastic. It's awesome. The moment she turns and says, Lord Baelish is fucking phenomenal. You're like, holy shit, Sansa is awesome. These Stark sisters are back together. This is great. And, and 
for you to have that feeling in the scene, you have to not expect it. Sure. So this is why we don't see any crap and all we do is see them fight and argue and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they really overcompensated and went too far. Right. Like you were showing us two sisters that were so at odds with each other that when they're alone in a room, not walking outside at Winterfell, but alone in a room, they're going at each other in this really creepy way. Sure. And, and not I, talking like people talk. It doesn't make sense to me. So obviously they were, they were meeting and they were discussing this and maybe this just happened all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, Brand's like, hey, what are you guys doing fighting? Let's, let's, you know, let's talk it out. Let me tell you what's actually going on. I'm sure. But I, I just, I, I feel like they tried so hard to make you not think the Starks would be working together to go against Littlefinger that it felt almost like they had to do it that way because the other stuff was so ridiculous. And it, it was, it was slop. It was, it was clumsy. It was, it was really, really bad writing to take us to what was a really awesome scene. Right. And, and the really awesome scene isn't worth the whole season of crappy writing right. as far as these characters are concerned, which is unfortunate because I think you could do this in a different way where you don't necessarily have them so at odds, but you right. have enough tension between them. And maybe if you're only showing these ten- this tension in public places and not when they're one-on-one, then I can get behind this. But I just think they really messed that up. Yeah. And, and you know what else I think too? I believe... Before we watched this episode, a lot of people guessed that Littlefinger would die. By this, by the last, by last week, we knew we were going to Winterfell and Dragonstone. Excuse me, in King's Landing, we knew Winterfell something was probably going to go down, right? Right. And they've been building attention to something going down, so a lot of people started to guess Littlefinger was going to be fucked. Now that said, one thing I didn't guess was that he would be held on trial. That that that, that genuinely surprised me that he was going to be tried. Not really tried no. in the modern sense. There's really no evidence or due process here. <laughs> Except for the guy who can see everything. Right. But that's Hello. hardly that's hardly hard evidence because you can't really substantiate his claims as being a the threat of Raven. They're gonna go, Oh, okay, whatever. But we know the Northmen aren't fond of Littlefinger. We know that Jan Royce isn't overly fond of him. And uh, people know he's a little shifty. People have always known this about the master mm-hmm. of coin and the guy who is with Cersei, a guy who's now lurking in the north. Um, a guy who arranged a marriage between Ramsay Bolton and Sansa. Like there's, he doesn't have a sterling reputation. Right. But it's, I like that Littlefinger got a trial, even though it wasn't really one. And rather than just, cause I was like, oh, he's going to get stabbed. He's going to say the wrong thing. Or he's going to kill him. But that would be a real problem if he was just murdered without any ceremony to it. Because he is a fucking Lord. You can't just kill him if you want to, run the North in a way that's somewhat reasonable, right? So this was kind of unexpected. And looking back, I should have expected it to be more of a formal thing. Right. And, and But you know what? I, I like this because if Arya just kills him one day because he pisses her off, that's one thing. This was calculated and premeditated. Right. This is murder one. Okay. Murder one. They meant this. Yes. And that's what I like about it. Yep. Any other way he dies... It's like, okay, maybe people were thinking about it, but whatever, it just happened in a moment. In this place, they sat, they made a secret plan. Mm-hmm. They brought him into this room, did this song and dance. So everybody, it was premeditated. Yes. It was, it, that's what I like about them doing it this way as opposed to Ari just killing him one and, day. And plenty, and plenty good coming in from the chat. Nathan Tamulis, he admitted it when he said, I did it to protect you, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. He's really implicating himself here. Um, 
Julie says, I don't see how they could fool Bran, though. Uh, Rob Marcuna says, ruining his reputation and making his sins public. Uh, Julie says he needed to go. Sammy says, I think at the first tension was real. After their talk with Bran, they came up with a plan, and it was all an act. They had to keep it up. He was sneaking around corners, trying to spy, trying to con. Uh, so that's one take. I also want to say this. It is important to go back to um, what, who said it? Uh, Bob Marcunis in the chat. Uh, I think it's, was it, was it him? Yeah. They had to, no, Gina Rose. Gina Rose said, ruining his reputation, making his sins public. That's important, Gina. And it's important because you can't just execute lords out of hand. You have to lay all the stuff bare. And when you start to piece it together, there's plenty of people in the North we, we understand that the North aren't masters of court and intrigue. They're probably going to believe three Stark children, right? They, Ned Stark has a very strong reputation in the North. And I think as soon as you start saying all of this stuff and putting doubt in all their minds, they're easily going to believe that this guy did this. So I think it was smart to do it public. I think it sends a message that treachery will not be tolerated in the North. It has not been tolerated in the North and will continue to not be tolerated in the North. And uh, I have a feeling that there are a lot of lords and even knights in that group of men who silently sighed to themselves knowing that Littlefinger was out of the picture and that um, somebody like Jan Royce was going to be more in the forefront there. Also, the piece about um, Lysa Aaron's death, Jan Royce wasn't too sure about it in the beginning until Sansa spoke up. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing, right? Sansa admits it here. Jan Royce knows that Sansa covered for him, remember? Right, right. Sansa covered for him. So yes. that's kind of a, a cross she has to bear. And maybe that's something she has to settle up with Jan Royce if she hasn't already off camera. But she lied for Littlefinger. So he wouldn't get charged right. with Lysa's death or at least be suspected in it. And uh, she's come clean on that in the end here, which is interesting. So, uh, yeah, confession is hard to overcome, says Senator Timulus. Indeed, especially when you're dealing with a Northman court, right? Right. The court of a Northman is one thing. And we're not talking about trying to determine how fit somebody is for trial in a modern sense. We're talking about something where you're dealing with Northmen, a guy who has a shitty reputation, Stark children who have a great reputation, even more so than Jon Snow, uh, despite them feeling something for Jon Snow. He is a bastard to them, which isn't the end of the world, but it kind of matters. And uh, some lords even believing in Sansa and, and maybe even backing Sansa should she challenge Jon, which they've kind of made clear. Um, so I think that the way they, the way Arya and Sansa and Bran executed this was a way that was intelligent. They had to do it in a way to make it public, to to make him an example, to make sure people understood we're not just killing him because he's weird. We're killing him because of the following crimes, and here's how we know those crimes, right? Right. Yeah. I don't really think we needed all the off-camera discussion between Bran and Yawn and this guy and that guy for him to be like, oh, you took a shit once on this day and I remember it. Like, I think when they got together to discuss that this is was, was how it was going to go down. I, I don't think Yawn Royce was involved in that. You don't think so? Oh, no. Yeah. All right. I don't think any of those men there were involved in it because I think Littlefinger would have found out. Yeah, you're right. We already talked about yeah. this. Yeah. Maybe after the fact, I'm saying. But I guess they don't care. But that's my point. Littlefinger has no friends, plus he admitted it as much. Right. It- we we just we needed something different than what we got this season from the Stark sisters. Um, I understand that they were trying to make this scene a surprise and really exciting, but yeah. again, there's still a way to do that without sacrificing these characters completely earlier in the season. 
Right. You, you turn Arya into a real shitty character this entire season for this. Right. Not worth it to no, me. But it was, Although it was fantastic. It was a cool Don't payoff. get me wrong. Yeah. The payoff was great, but it wasn't worth, you know, right. the first part. I got you. I guess, which makes no sense the way I said it, but still. So the gathered assembly stands quietly as uh, Littlefinger expires on the floor, cut by the very blade which he put in the hands of a would-be assassin for Catelyn Stark and Bran. Mm -hmm. Man, that's got to say something. That's going back to season one. Um, that's something the show has always done very well. I'm glad to see it a little bit in this season two, which is a dagger from season one has come back to not only haunt Littlefinger, but outright kill Littlefinger. I think that's pretty right. impressive. Not many shows can six seasons later bring a prop back and have it matter. You're not going to find right. many shows that do that. Right. And I just think it deserves some credit for that. I think it's pretty cool. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I have to, like, we all hate Littlefinger and like, he's my boyfriend for a while yeah, and uh, we broke up. So listen, this is, this is important. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm gonna. Typical. Cause yeah. you're probably gonna say what I want to say. No, I'm not going to say what you want to say. I'm actually, I, I'm, I got to be honest with you. When Arya stepped up and coolly slashed his throat and his blood splashed onto the carpet in the Great Hall, I was concerned for you because I know that you and Littlefinger have a very <laughs> torrid past. Yeah, we do. And, and I was concerned as to how you would respond. Uh, so this is the first thing I want to talk to you about. The second thing I want to talk about is Aiden Gillen's acting. Acting. But let's, are you okay? Because it's one of those, you ever have that young friend or you ever have somebody growing up with that loses a parent too young and they're like, yeah, I'm fine, it's cool. And you're like, I don't think you are though. I think you're probably holding it in and you shouldn't. So I just want you to know if you need to cry now, I'm here for you. The listeners are here for you and you can cry now. <sighs> Do you have a eulogy for him? Littlefinger, a.k.a. Lord Baelish. Peter Baelish. <laughs> Chaos was a ladder, and unfortunately, you never could make it to that top rung. No matter how hard you tried and how smart and evil you were, you made a mistake, and you trusted a woman because of love and your penis. <laughs> and that became your downfall because she ended up being a sneakier little rat than you are. Yep. R.I.P., my good friend, former boyfriend. You will always have a special place in my heart. Um, and I love Mayor Carcetti. Yes. Um, chaos is a ladder covered in the various fluids from all his whorehouses that unfortunately he slipped upon and tumbled into the abyss. <laughs> that, that will be his fucking eulogy, right? That'll be his epitaph. R.I.P., Epitaph, sir. epitaph, Jesus. I can talk already. Your the bourbon is working. And beautiful man. As Franz Francisco Madalona says in the chat, R.I.P. Peter Baelish, good, honest man, sweetheart, you will be missed. Handsome but also, you forgot that part. Peter Baelish was a great character in Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, great. He lasted seven seasons. There are times where you hated him and times where you loved him. When he whisked Sansa away after Joffrey's death that you know he had a, a hand in, yeah. everybody was like, I want to suck him off. Yep. Then That's he right. shot that poor <laughs> Sir Dantos in the face with a crossbow, and you're like, Jesus Christ, this guy is ruthless. But he's been a great character to watch for seven seasons. Um, I feel like his downfall was perfect. Uh, he almost got killed once because of a Stark woman in Catelyn when Brandon slashed him up real good, and he finally died for a Stark woman this time around. 
because uh, he just got too cute. Which I feel like we've said forever that his death would be because of Sansa and because of his feelings for Sansa. Yes. And, I, and he underestimated her because of that. Because he normally does not. He normally has a handle on everybody. And yes. he didn't with her because his judgment was clouded. Yes. By his penis. By his penis. By his pillar and stones. Exactly. Well, Gina says he's another lifetime member of the friend zone. Uh, eternal member. And all. Yes, true. it's true. Generous. But unlike most friend-zoned people, don't think he didn't get his dick wet in those whorehouses. He had some top-class top tail in those joints. I mean, Roz alone. Roz alone. Easily R. nine. Roz. I know. Poor Joffrey killed her. You realize um, like, Littlefinger is really the only major character we lost this season? Like, I know Elena Tyrell, but I wouldn't consider her a major character on the show. You don't think so? Not in comparison to Littlefinger. Not in screen time, for sure. But she's yeah. pretty major. But I mean, know. she conspired to kill Joffrey. She was a big part of the show. Yeah, so did that guy Danto the Fool or whatever. And he's dead. No one cared about him. Yeah, I didn't... I don't... So, I know we've talked about what we considered fuckery and Beyond the Wall in terms of who died and who didn't. I just want to make it clear that I don't care if you don't kill people. The show doesn't need to turn into The Walking Dead where the only thing it has going for it is who is going to die this year. Yeah. Right? That is no way to write a show. Um, this stuff with John's parentage, this stuff with the will they, won't they, this stuff with... That stuff is intriguing in and of itself and it doesn't mean people have to die. My only point in Beyond the Wall, and I, I kind of clarified this in, in Facebook posts after the fact, was that I just wanted... If you put all those guys out there with high, high stakes, pop off another major character, even if it's Barrack, even if it's Tormund, one of those guys, that's all I'm saying. Just up the stakes a little bit, make it a little more scary for us. Thoros is a peripheral character we never no really cares. cared too much about. I don't care that. I don't care if only two major characters die in a season. That doesn't bother me at all because you can still have a great show with intrigue and betrayals and double crosses and almost deaths, and it can work in the narrative. It can really make sense to me. So I don't mind that. I, I agree. I, I'm fine if you don't want to kill off characters. It's just that Game of Thrones created a, a world where they were like, your favorite characters could die at any time. And I always felt those stakes. And I don't anymore. Except for the one scene with Jamie this episode. That's the only time I felt like, oh my God, I feel and like the stakes the are fucking high right now. No. Wait, what did you just say? How I felt with Jamie this episode. Oh, that was awesome though. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's the only time I felt because since what happened when Jamie and Bronn didn't die in that battle with Danny and when none of our characters died beyond the wall, I'm like, I'm not scared anymore for characters. Uh, and to me, the thing about Game of Thrones that always made it so exciting is you knew that they could kill off their top build number one actor first name in the credits. Mm -hmm. And now I don't feel that way anymore. And that is why... That's my problem with it. And my problem is when you put them in situations where they should die and they don't, a la Glenn under the dumpster, a la Torment, beyond the wall. Should die and they don't, I think is a good clarification. Yes. Should die and they don't. Torment. Whom I fucking love. So don't people say like, how dare you say Torment should die? Torment is one of my boyfriends, okay? Mm -hmm. And he has moved up the list. And I have some new boyfriends too, but we'll get there. Anyway, especially now that Littlefinger's dead and will never come back as my boyfriend. Tormund's awesome. I don't want him to die. I want him and Jamie, him and Brienne, him and Jamie. <laughs> I want Tormund and Jamie to make out. Yikes. I want Tormund and Brienne to make out and have monster babies just like Tormund dreams. I want him to have a happily ever after and a little home. But guess what? He should have died in that episode. Come on. Your bloodlust may be satiated yet. Next season. He's not dead yet. No, I know he's not. I know they, they, you maybe thought so, but. He'll see Brienne again. 
Although, if George R. R. Martin was still writing the show, he wouldn't see Brienne again. We shall see. Okay. Okay, so... Oh, let's talk, talk about Aiden Gillen. Talk to me about Aiden Gillen. I love Aiden Gillen, and I always have since he was on The Wire, and that's part of the reason why he's my boyfriend, because he is special to me. Um, this scene and the acting from him is so incredible. I... I I'm like so excited about it because he did such a good job. His reaction when she says Lord Baelish, like at first he doesn't react and all of a sudden he's like, what the fuck? Um, he's really confused. He starts making excuses. Then he panics and he's like, well, I did it for you. Blah, blah, blah. Please, I protected you. If we could just speak alone. And you know, she repeats this line back to him. Um, at this point when he realizes he can't go to Sansa, he goes to Jan Royce. He's like, take me back to the Eerie. I'm Lord of the Vale. Um, and then he finally gets to this emotion. He's crying. He loved Catelyn since he was a boy. I loved you more than anyone. And she says, and yet you betrayed me. And he cries. Um, I like Sansa's last lines to him too. There's no justice um, in the world unless we make it. Thank you for your lessons, Lord Baelish. I'll never forget them. Um, last words, he says, Sansa, I. Yes. Um, and then he's dead. Uh, but this is so well acted. And you watch him go through this cycle of emotions that I, I don't feel like every actor in the world could do so well. I really don't. I, I really think like, and I know we make fun of his accent and all this shit, but I mean, he's a, he's a, he's really special. He's a really good actor. And, and this is perfect. Just this cycle of emo- emotions from surprise to denial to admitting to giving up on Sansa and going somewhere else to literally just that last minute panic of like, but I love you. I love you. I love you. And like Sansa is going to say later, he did in this like really fucked up way, which is the craziest right. part. I don't think that this is a moment where he's not lying is this moment at the end. Everything else is just this word vomit he always gives, even in his panics. You know what I mean? Sure. When he's like, I love Catelyn. I love you more than anyone. He means this stuff. I sure. really believe that. And this is why Sansa could be his... Um, downfall was because he felt this way because of this displaced thing because he was so in love with Catelyn. Right. Though that was his downfall is these redheaded Stark women. Absolutely. He was great. And um, yes, he did have some shifting accents at times, but he's, he's solid. And uh, there's a great article. Um, I think it's on Vanity Fair. It says, don't cry for Thrones little finger. He's already found his next move. Apparently he's going to play James Joyce. So, Really? That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm on board yep. with that. Yep. Love me some James it's, Joyce. Uh, it's going to be a film called uh, James and Lucia. I just hope they don't talk too much about Portrait of the Arts as a young man, which is my worst favorite book in college. I think they're anyway. going to focus. I don't know what they're going to focus on. But <laughs> anyway, pretty cool. I uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought he was great in this in this season. And even though he had a dubious accent at times, that switched like the uh, Honest Movie Trailers makes fun of. Oh my God, I love it. He is, uh, he's awesome and he will be missed. Yes, he will be. I know you all hate him, but you love to hate him. Exactly. When people you hate die, you've got to hate somebody else. And your own Greyjoy is not going to do it for you the way that Ramsay and Joffrey did, okay? <laughs> Sorry, Game of Thrones. There you go. All right, let's move over to Bran and Sam. Oh yeah, Bran and Sam. Take Sam it away. arrives um, at Winterfell. Uh, this obviously happens later in the episode. This is after a bunch of crap has happened in King's Landing. But regardless, we're staying in this location and then moving on. Uh, he wants to talk to his buddy Bran. There's this one thing that really annoys me, which is when Bran's like, I'm a three-eyed raven. And Sam's like, I don't know what that is. It's like, 
Sam, you spent how much time at the Citadel reading books and learning about everything and purposely trying to study stuff beyond the wall when nobody would allow you to and never once you heard of the Three-Eyed Raven? I just don't believe that. Interesting. I feel like he would have read something about it in some of these books. Am I wrong? No, but then if he does, you don't think that's something they're going to have to show us on camera? No. Like it would be cheesy if he said, oh, I read about you. And then we go, but when, if we were the audience? He's read a thousand books, including one about every time a guy took a shit. I don't need to hear about all that. Okay. That can happen off screen and I'm not upset about it. Okay. I don't know how I feel about it because you're just kind of springing this on me. So I'm No, not I sure. said it during the episode. No, Liar. I know. Yeah, that was an hour ago. All right. Well, anyways, that's just, I just feel like Sam would now. Okay. Other than that, Sam was really cute. He's come to Winterfell to help John. And I like it's funny Brands- because your problem with that is funny because some people have problems with him not knowing why Sam was there, even though he knows everything. So he, it's funny your spin on it's a little different. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I, I know that. But Brands always said like that he can see everything, but then some things are just blurry and he mm-hmm. can't really control it necessarily. And so, it doesn't necessarily mean he knows motivations and thoughts, right? And and right. I can let certain things go because I I feel like he gets certain things in snippets and I feel like he's specifically going to certain memories to check them out at certain times. Um, I feel like it's a little, I feel like as soon as he realized that John was a Targaryen, he probably would have looked a little more into the marriage before now, but whatever. Um, I like the cute moment where uh, Bran's like, uh, no, I see what you mean. John's headed back to Winterfell with Danny, and, and Sam's like, oh, did you see that in a vision? He's like, no, I got a raven. And that was like the funniest thing Bran's ever said the up, whole show. Yeah, the way he holds up the scroll. That's cool. <laughs> um, so that was really cute. Humor program one. Yes. Um, good comedic timing. It was. That was good. Um, anyways, I um, I like the, the whole reveal where we get the information. And I don't care about... We all already knew this. We're all not stupid. But I like that they gave it to us in this dramatic moment. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with them talking about it. Um, I like seeing the scene of the two of them getting married. I'm fine with that too. Um, I like that Sam magically remembered what Gilly told him in the back of his mind. He always had it there. So thank you, Gilly, because we know this is about you. Cool. Um, but but yeah, this was, I, I like this reveal, all this information. We know this knowledge is now out there and that John's going to find this out next season. Um I, I like the fact that Rhaegar married Lyanna, that he loved her, that he annulled his marriage to another woman, that they have this child together, that he has a name. Uh, I, I like all of that. You know, there's, this is a crazy thing that in season one of the show, you never imagine that this is where Jon Snow would be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah, for sure. Um, Nate brings up a good point in the chat by saying he doesn't believe the Three-Eyed Raven was something that happened in recorded pasts. Recorded past being the operative point of his thing here. Um, the only people that ever mentioned him in the books are Bran and um, Melisandre has like a weird vision. Um, and of course, Leaf, the child of the forest. So this could be unrecorded information that is just being discovered now. It's possible. All right. And that's fine. And I'm fine with that, I guess. I just feel like they, I know they don't believe in the White Walkers, but they know about the White Walkers and they, I feel like they must know about the children of the forest. And then, no, but, I mean, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. It's a stretch. Anyway, um, so he tells him all the stuff he tells him. I can see things happening best now. But um, what do you think of the casting on um, Rhaegar? Well, when we were watching this episode live, um, after a long day and a lot of booze that followed Dean's bachelor party, so he was 
probably half asleep at that point. I feel like we all were like, isn't this just her brother that we hate? The same guy. Mm -hmm. So that was very disturbing and difficult. Um, Upon watching it the second time, I'm pretty sure it's not him. But it's way too fucking close for my liking. It makes sense you'd look like him. Because they all just bang each other. Right. I just think he looks so regular. You want him to be handsomer? Yeah, I wanted more. Like, who did you want to play him? I don't know who I'd want to play him. Chat room, can you tell me who you want to play him and get back to me? Thank you. I don't know who, I want, who I'd want to play him, but I definitely wanted him to be wearing something cooler. Like, I don't know. It'd be cool if he was wearing something more or had some more flourish about him. He was a very... I don't know. He was a very... Boring. I'm, Not cute. I'll, let me say it. He was a very... That's the word I'm looking for. Flamboyant kind of character with the singing and the uh, compositions and... I, I don't know. I just, um, yeah. <laughs> Can I give you some some thoughts in the chat? Sure. Um, Gina Rose and uh, Julie Aronson both recommend Hemsworth brother, Brothers. Yeah, that's um, because there is art of him online. Oh, is Hemsworth? Yeah, they might, they might okay. not know this. But if you Google Rhaegar Targaryen images, you're going to see a guy where the likeness looks just like him as the artist's the rendition. He looks just like him. Um, Outpost says Orlando Bloom. Um, serial killing you says Edward James Olmos, which I think is fantastic. Uh, invention number nine says Stephen Baldwin. Um, I personally was thinking along the lines of like, what about a Michael Fassbender? Maybe because we just did Alien Covenant and he's on my brain. Oh, he was older than them though. What about an Alexander Skarsgård? Yeah, that's probably a good move. Yeah. He'd be a fucking fantastic That'd be a Targaryen. Really good Eric Targaryen. Northman. Yeah. Come on. That's a good pick. He used to be on my top five and if he no, was a Targaryen, he'd no. be back on there. Skarsgård is a really good pick. I know, right? I but, made that up on my own. I'm really and proud he's of so tall and imposing, but you'd have to put a little more like, uh, there's got to just be a little more flair on him. I need some more red on him. I, I don't know. I needed something. I didn't like his fucking, I don't know. He was just not handsome to me like I wanted him to be, and I didn't like that. Yeah. It's also hard for me to look at Leanna um, Stark because she was in this TV show called The Fall. Yeah. Which if you guys haven't watched it, you should. It's really fantastic. But she plays like a really fucked up teenager. And yeah. She's super sexy. <laughs> She's one of those 20-somethings yeah. trying to be like a high schooler. And Dean was really into it. But I didn't care. I felt guilt-free when I realized she was not that young because she's a little hussy. Every time I watch the show, all I do is think about her in The Fall. And so it's really hard for me <laughs> to like <laughs> get away from that. It was difficult. But, Skarsgård so. is, is, the, is the lock. I know. I win. It's the lock. You win. Congrats. Scarsgard and Chick from the Fall. Yeah. David Chappelle says Albert Finney. <laughs> Guess who getting fucked tonight? All right. Um, That'd be funny. So anyway, Tyrion. Whoa, where the fuck am I going here? Tyrion, whoa. That's right. Yeah, they talk about sand. So what do you think of John's name? Aegon Targaryen. I mean, that's cool. It's a pretty gangster. I like that his name's Aegon Targaryen. I'm all right with that. I mean, that Except is Except we're going to have to call Targaryen. Aegon because I don't feel comfortable doing that anymore. Like, do I have to do that on the podcast? What a weird thing. Is he legally being like, name? Your name is not this when you're like in your late 20s. I feel like that shit probably what happens like all the time when people get kidnapped and then they get returned to their actual families because I like read a lot of murder things about that. Mm. <laughs> so Sam continues, um, Robert's rebellion was built on a lie. He loved her. She loved him. Oh my God, true love does flourish, doesn't All right. it? Now, we have a lot of people that listen to the show that are not on Facebook. In fact, the majority of people aren't. And I posted something on Facebook today that I want to get to right now based on what Brand says here. 
Robert's Rebellion was built on a lie. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about this because the common misconception is that Robert Baratheon started a rebellion. He really didn't, um, if you look closely at the lore. So I'm going to read my post back because I obviously don't memorize the shit verbatim. Yeah, you are. And uh, we can talk a tiny bit about it. I don't want to spend too much time, but it's an important thought. So um, I said, we will mention this on the show tonight, but sometimes people assume that Robert started the rebellion because Rhaegar's actions at the tournament which is not entirely true. In fact, he didn't start the rebellion at all. John Aaron kind of did. Um, Lyanna was abducted sometime after the tournament, uh, perhaps about a year later, while Robert and Ned were at the Erie. Ned's older brother, Brandon, was on his way to Riverrun to marry Catelyn and then decided to ride to King's Landing when he heard news of Lyanna's abduction. His father, um, when I say his, I mean Brandon's, Rickard Stark. So Rickard and Brandard, Brandon Stark along with about 200 men, ride back to King's Landing. They assumed Rhaegar kidnapped Lyanna and took her here. Once they got there, they were arrested by Ares for plotting to kill Rhaegar, who wasn't even there. At this point, he's heading to Dorne. They were... They, Ares sort of had these mock trials, and uh, when a trial by combat was demanded, Ares said, okay, fire will be my champion. And he proceeded to fuck him up. He actually, I don't remember which is which, but I think he hung Brendan, uh, I think he hung Rickard Stark over a fire and he put this ridiculous weird trap that would strangle the sun as he tried to reach to put the fire. A real twisted, fucked up way to kill these two Stark men. Uh, meanwhile, burning the other guys. Um, he then demanded uh, that Ned and Robert's heads be sent to John uh, by John Aaron to him. And that's when John Aaron said, no. We're not going to do that. We're going to go to war. So John Aaron's like, go fuck yourself. I'm not going to give you Ned and Robert's heads because they're not part of this. Um, and he rallied the banners for war. Now, obviously, the catalyst for this war, somebody pointed out in the comments, was, was really the Starks going there over nothing. But nobody knew it was nothing at the time. They didn't realize that these two were trying to slip away and madly in love. And I don't even know if they would have thought differently if they knew that anyway. Robert and Ned didn't really start the rebellion, um, but they sure as shit ended it with their actions on the battlefield. So something to think about. Uh, pretty cool. I know the common misconception here is that Robert started this rebellion. He didn't. He did participate in it. He did kill Rhaegar at the Trident. He smashed him in the chest with a hammer and put a bunch of rubies from his breastplate everywhere, thus renaming it the Ruby Ford. So Rude. Something to think about here. Uh, pretty wild shit. I just wanted to mention it because um, because of what Brand said here, which is Robert's Rebellion was built on a lie. It kind of was in a sense. Um, and they did, in fact, love each other. But it wasn't Robert that started the rebellion. There you have it. Boom. Boom. I'm just thinking about how in the prequels, I hope Alexander Skarsgård plays. <laughs> he just did an HBO show. I feel like he's got to be in their rotation now. Nice. Sorry, I couldn't even concentrate on the story. I did read the art, the thing you posted earlier, though, so I would understand. Yeah, there you go. Skulls Vikings 1973 says he was slow roasted, literally. Yeah, he was in his armor, burning up in his armor. It's pretty fucked up. There you go. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about this. Is this is expertly cut with those two boning, right? They cut no, it. not the, oh yeah, yeah, this is. part. But we're not at the boning part, and I don't ever. Ho I hope we never get there. We, we should be, no? You don't want to? You want to come back to that after we do King's Landing? Yeah, because that's where... Okay. I mean, unless you want to talk about them boarding now, so I never talk about it again, but we haven't even talked about um, everything else that happened before the boning. No problem. 
I like that short as butt, but. <laughs> so, do you want to talk about Ari and Sansa having a sisterly chat for yes. once? So yes. They're, they're chatting like sisters. Really, like, literally, like sisters. This is the best scene they've been in together the entire show. It was good. We needed more of this, I think. Me to, too. To convince us of other things. Me too. Um, you know, I didn't say this at the time, but I'm thinking about it now, and I want to say this. It's not like the showrunners, it's not like Benny F. and Weiss don't understand Ari and Sansa enough to have them in a scene like this, correct? Because this scene proves that they do. Right, exactly. Okay, so that said, if this scene proves that they understand Ari and Sansa enough to show them have a cool chat on the ramparts at Winterfell, then we should probably discuss what is something they might be too cute with, and that's gimmicking us to believe that there's some kind of tension versus just watching it slowly unfold that we're going to trap Littlefinger. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Which part of the problem is having a brandroid. When you have brandroid, beep, when you have him, yeah, <laughs> he can easily, what's so funny? This brandroid. Beep, beep, pop, so pop. weird. They fucked under the tree. When, they, when you have a brandroid, you've kind of written yourself a problem. You've written yourself something that knows many different things and is going to corroborate many different uh, accusations. So we had, as we said before, we had to create this bullshit tension to get them to not see the truth until later so we could have this dramatic unfolding. And it's very, in my opinion, it's very divisive storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been cooler to see this played out a different way, which you've already said. And I'm, I am I'm inclined to agree with you. Because this scene proves that they're not idiots when it comes to these two characters. That they just got too cute and tried to make something too clever. To make us go, oh, they trapped Littlefinger. It was all a ploy, see? Uh, but, all right. I just want to say my piece about that. I, I like how they miss their father. Ned Stark has talked about a lot in the show still. I know. His lasting influence gives me a stark boner that is harder than Longclaw. How does that make you feel? I, I actually agree. I feel the same way. It also gives me a boner. You're stark. You're a hard stark boner, like ice. Uh, the, the way that this show talks about Ned Stark and has such a reverence for him is so lovely. Like, I don't know what else to say about it. It, it amazes me that seven seasons later, he's such an important part of the show still. Um, more so than anyone else we've lost and, and will continue to be. And I love that these Starks are coming back together. And that's something that... We get to see because this this conversation where they they talk about him, um, and you know I miss him. Me too. That that's like such a real moment, and I, I love that. I love that Ned Stark is still a part of the show. I really do. Um, and I and I still love the uh, winter. We must protect ourselves. Look after one another. Um, you know the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Yes. And you know we were all like, okay, is Arya like a totally different person? Did she not listen to this? We thought like this scene, Nymeria was a turning point. She used to go back and be with her pack. Um, and I guess she did finally see that shit. So I guess she is still herself. Awesome. I look forward to. Uh, and I love that quote. I'm getting it as a tattoo. <laughs> I look forward to Arya's future adventures. Me too. Okay. With Sansa, they're gonna be friends now. I love Sansa, by the way. I really loved her today. <laughs> Welcome to the motherfucking party. She likes Jamie. She likes Sam. I just like Jamie. The list goes on. What'd you call him? Fabulous. No, that's not what I called him. I never said fabulous. Fantastic, handsome, noble, attractive, strong, bold, brave. That's what you call him every night before you go to bed when you're (laughs) talking to his poster. You know how you know how you know how Arya had a list. Yeah, I have a list of Jamie compliments. 
bold, handsome, forthright, strong, honorable. I and I just clutch it to my chest and then I go to sleep. I have a list of boyfriends in Game of Thrones. Jamie's still not on my list. Okay. Sorry. Bye. Mm, there you go. Also, why are so many men into Brienne? Because deep down, I feel like Jamie and the Hound are both kind of into her too. <laughs> what? I feel like Jamie and the Hound are both kind of into Brienne a little bit. Well, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Brienne is like, everyone has Brienne fever. Okay. Brienne of Tarth fever. And I am on board. You broke up with Littlefinger. <laughs> Then he dies, and now you're on board with Jamie and Sansa. Welcome to the fold. I'm not on board with Jamie, okay? Yes, you are. I am on board with Sansa. She's probably my new fave right now. If we ever do a retrospective and we go back and record <laughs> episode seasons four again, and you're like, the bear and the maiden fear, Jamie's so noble to free Brienne. Oh, he's so well, good. Well, did we podcast about season four? Isn't it the first season we did? Yeah, but it's, it's in the ether, unfortunately. Oh, sorry. You guys can't hear it, but I did podcast about it once and who knows what I said, except for Dean and whoever listened to it then, which was like three people. If I dig it up somehow, some way, in the cockles of some audiophile deeply hidden somewhere, I'm going to play it for people. Um, I'm pretty sure three people have heard that podcast and one's me and one's you. And one is probably like mm. John Marginson, maybe. <laughs> okay. So, shall we? Um, well, we're done with Winterfell. You don't want to talk about the boning now, so. No, I don't. The boning does not happen in Winterfell. It happens on a fucking boat. Yeah, it does. With people who are not in Winterfell. Yeah, it does. That was a hell of a cruise. Wait, Scott Cummings says that he listened to that podcast back in the I day. I know, there's a few of you who were. You are true OGs, and please never, ever tell me the things that I said then, because it would be pretty funny. Yeah, oh yeah, I seem to recall all the love you had for Stannis. Oh, I did yeah. love, St but Stannis was a difficult mm -hmm. scenario. I was just talking about him today. People literally sent you images. It was John of Stannis photoshopped holding puppies and you hung them up in the office. Yeah, I did. And I also made him my, um, my they Facebook they came down real pic. fast when he burned Shireen to death. Just like my, um, my friend's own Jorah picture, which was my cover photo on Facebook for probably like a year straight mm -hmm. when Jorah became my boyfriend and he had a puppy in that photo too. That's the best part. John Marginson always makes me photos of people with puppies. All right. Shall John, we continue? I need one for this season, please. Thank you, sir. We're going to talk about King's Landing, but before we do, we're going to tease something right now in the middle of this episode. Is that really happening? Yes. Did you text John? Yes. Okay. So John and I have a, a little bit of an announcement to make in terms of things going on with LSG Media um, related to Game of Thrones. So um, we just want to tease you guys a little and tell you that we're going to tell you by the end of the episode what that is. So stay tuned. Don't this go anywhere. pretty dumb because I don't even know what you're teasing and I'm on the podcast. So by the end of this episode, we got a little, we got a tiny little announcement to make. Um, so yeah. Wait, do I know what this is? What? Do I know what this is? Yeah, you do. Are you sure? Yeah. Um, that's all I'm going to say for now. So stay tuned. We're going to talk media. about it. All right, let's talk King's Landing. That's all. A little teaser, motherfuckers. A little diddle, a little upside down piano, a little... A little over the clothes, right? A little over the clothes. Jon Snow don't know about that. Mm. All right. How many jokes can I make today about Jon Snow banging? I don't know, but don't try know. to up your game. They're terrible. Wow. Honestly, one day I'll murder you, and that'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get your life insurance money, and I'll live on. Well, that's that's going to be a, a cool 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> You think I don't have insurance, life insurance with you in the fucking house? No way. Oh, you do. I know. I'm the beneficiary of that shit. You know nothing. Jon Snow. King's Landing. Stay on the mic, by the way. I said Jon Snow. So King's Landing. Uh, we first see Grey Worm looking dapper with some killer music. 
I really like the formation of the Unsullied. The music is excellent. Uh, we see the Lannister troops. We get a touch of the Lannister music blended here. They're loading up barrels. Uh, they're preparing for a siege. We see Bronn and Jamie. They discuss men without cocks. Bronn says he wouldn't be fighting without a cock. Nothing worth fighting for. Uh, Bronn says, your brother sided with a cockless. And then Jamie concurs, well, he has always been a champion of the downtrodden. And then, of course, we see the arrival of the Dothraki. Um, I love the contrast between the Dothraki and the Unsullied. The Unsullied are disciplined and in formation and without cocks. The Dothraki have cocks swinging free, and they are formationless on their horses, and they are hooting and hollering. I really like the contrast between the two forces here. I thought that was awesome. I like the arrival of the Dothraki. Uh, heralds in that Dothraki music that we've come to know and love. And um, yeah, we go back to Bronn who says, I think we're about to be downtrodden. Um, I wanted to do your thing where you go, whoa, and talk about how, like you just said, you love something involving the Dothraki. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? Do that again? No. What the fuck was that noise? Do it again. You always do that. You say, I, you say, whoa. Do, no, do, you it, say do it, it how no, I do it. No, no. Come on. No. And you say it with a lot of syllables. Like this? Oh, yes. Oh, that, that one? I wanted to say that because you are always like, I hate the Dothraki. They're stupid. They're not good warriors. And now you're I just didn't like. I say they weren't good warriors. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You just said they're not the best. <laughs> they actually are the best. Okay. Shut up. All right. Um, I also love this part. Um, and I also loved when it showed Grey Worm to open the episode because I said, fantastic. He is dead for sure. Someone in my Deadpool will die nope. since I guaranteed last week that 100% Grey Worm would die this week. You were wrong. Well, I'm an asshole now, aren't and I? And what did I say? You said, I know the spoilers and I know who dies. No, I didn't. What did I say? I don't remember because I don't listen to the podcast. Or our conversations, apparently. Wait, I forgot. What did you say? I said, if somebody, somebody probably remembers better than me, but... I said on the podcast, I said, if Grey Worm dies, then that means war has broken out and oh, yeah, all you said hell that. has broken loose. That, that, was, that podcast was the late night after a 13-hour day. I don't know how much I remember, honestly. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Okay. So, awesome shit. And then, of course, we see Danny ships arrive with Davos, Tyrion, John, and company, Theon, etc. Yeah, Jorah. Don't forget him. Jorah. Rude. I wrote down everybody's name that mattered. Okay. I'm proud of you. Uh, John, uh, wonder... Excuse me, John wonders why anyone would want to live in King's Landing where there's a million people. Oh, you're going to live there when you sit on the throne, motherfucker. Uh, below deck, the hound checks on his pet white. It's alive. Feeds it a little bit. And then uh, <laughs> Cersei wonders why she isn't with them. Okay, yeah. So they're all arriving at the dragon pit. Um, so let's get to this scene. I like when Cersei gives like the order to the mountain. He's like, so kill this. She's like, kill the silver haired bitch first. Oh, then the awesome. bastard who says he's our brother. Um, and then uh, that idiot who says he's king in the north and then kill whoever else you want, bro. Yeah. In whatever indiscriminate order you choose. I, I like that Cersei like really hates Tyrion, but she like really, really hates Danny. Like the mountain's a badass, but well, I guess he could technically step to and kill her before the dragon could get there. The mountain looks like real scary. And if his mask comes off, I feel like he's going to look like... Um, in Star Wars and Darth Vader's mask came off. Let me look on you with my own eyes. Like, don't you kind of feel like he looks like that underneath? Because I do. Maybe. 
Just saying. So Jorah and Miss Sandy chat. He tells her of the dragon pit. Letting them roam free around the city was a problem. Boyfriend. He says something like that. And uh, Jorah's like, if I can't bang you, I'll move right on to your bestie. That's a good move. She hasn't had a penis in a long time. You know what? That's a classic move. You know? Move on to the best friend once Mm -hmm. you've been friend zoned. Yeah. Yeah, Because Danny would be all like, oh, I'm really happy for you, Masani. They were Jorah. He's a really good guy. But then Danny would start to get jealous and be like, why doesn't he love me anymore? I want his love. And then Danny dates Jorah. Yep. That's right. I know exactly how that fucking story works out. Meanwhile, poor fucking Grey Worms got to go to the brothel to get hugs. Yeah, just to get hugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. Why were we going to do Why are we gonna do Grey Worm wrong like that? He was very sharp looking this week. Yeah, he looked sharp, but he didn't die. So I'm pretty mad at him. <laughs> I bet you're not going to take him to your Deadpool ever again. Fuck no. Even though he's for sure going to... Everybody on my Deadpool is going to die next season. And I'm just going to laugh. Ha ha ha. I'm going to keep that Deadpool. I'm going to look at it every day. And then when all of them die, I'm going to smile. All right. So uh, Tyrion recounts how the dragon shrunk and got weak in captivity, smaller than dogs. Aww. And we have a cute little meeting here. Braun, Brienne, and Pod and some Lannister troops show up. Very cool. The hound's like, them. what the fuck? I like this stuff, man. I liked the tension. I appreciated all of this stuff here. People uh, reuniting. Yep. Tyrion and Pod chit-chat. It's pleasant. Uh, Pod doesn't blame Tyrion for supporting the enemy, which I appreciate. Well, uh, don't they technically support? Because Pod's with Bran, and she supports the Starks. Hmm? Pod supports the Starks, not the Lannisters. Don't blame. But doesn't he say that? Yeah. That. What does that mean? <laughs> now this is really bothering. When he kills Tywin Lannister and runs off? Yeah, but Pod is with Bran now, who supports the Starks. No, I understand that, but... Because he's just saying because he was... Right. All right, all right, that's cool. I'm Remember cool with that. Remember the part where he killed the house Lannister head? Yeah, and that was cool, but Pod isn't with the Lannisters. It was terrible. Oh, it was cool. All right, so Tyrion and Pod chat. Um, we go to Bronn. Come on, you can suck his magic cock later. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, know about, we know about Podrick. Podrick is a pipe layer. Uh, the Hound tells the Lannister soldier to fuck off, which I appreciate. And then we get to the Hound and Brienne. Yes. I was only Love. trying to protect her. And he says, you and me both. Brienne tells the hound that Arya is alive. And the hound wonders who's protecting her now. And Brienne says, the only person who needs protecting is the one that gets in her way. To which the hound seems pleased. And he says, it won't be him. Right, of course He won't get in her way. Of course not. And I love this. I love this because I love Brienne. I love the hound. I like that they were literally fighting to the death. And now at this point, they can get together and have a conversation and realize that they kind of had the same goal. They just didn't realize that at the time. Or they or they just didn't at the time. They, had, they did. They both were trying to protect Arya. No, I understand that, but they were both on separate missions. Yeah. Right. But they their goal was ultimately to protect her. Sure. And it was the same goal. Safety, where the fuck's that? And I, I, I just, I really like that between them. And I like that the Hound knows that Arya's alive. And I bet that makes them really happy. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of a happy hound. There you go. Because he is my friend and yeah. boyfriend. So Tyrion wonders if Bronn is reconsidering his allegiances. Bronn says he's looking after himself. They both agree it's good to see each other again. This is a cool little brief scene. I, I appreciate I, I think it's real hard to do this stuff where you have people coming back together after an extended period of time and you have to have these conversations with point. them yeah, you without it this. getting corny like oh my god again a different conversation but i feel like this is how i felt when they were like beyond the wall and everybody was chatting either they knew each other or they didn't know each other or they had like common things in common 
Um, I, I, I do think Game of Thrones is great when they do these little character bits. I think that this is some of their stronger writing. I think it's nice to see these people reunite and reenact and in, in, in act a certain way with each other. And there's no way you can do this scene without doing that. Yep. You have to have these people interact with each other. And none of them act like they wouldn't normally act anyway. They all act in character. Right. It's just sometimes it's hard to constantly be like, oh my God, another scene where these people get reunited. Oh my God, another scene where these people right. get reunited. That can get really old really quick. And I think that they did the best job they possibly could with a really complicated scene with a lot of people that needed to interact with each other. Sure. I really, I, I do. It's hard. This is hard to do. Yep. You're putting your whole cast together in one place. I like it. The Hummer warns nobody to touch his little treasure chest, referring to the cart and the white within. Uh, the procession arrives at the dragon pit. The air is very tense here. No sign of Cersei yet. Lots of reaction shots. Um, Bronn takes Pod out there out of there. He's like, let's go have a drink while the fancy fucker stock. And then Which, um, this big, long silence hangs. You want to talk about Bronn getting pot out of Dodge? Yeah, I, I, I feel like there's something weird about this and I don't know what because I feel like, like Bran's like, look was kind of weird and I don't know. It just seemed weird. I think what happened here is that Bronn truly believes he has no place in this discussion. This is not his ambit. And neither does Pod, and he just wanted to get them the fuck out of there. I really believe that's all it was. But Brienne's look was, hmm, I don't like the sound of this. I don't like this. I don't like people walking away when we're left out here alone. I think that was the tension here. Because it, it built tension for me, and I was, I was, yeah, um, outpost in the chat says it's a red herring. Um, I felt almost like it was because it did. It made me like nervous at first. Mm -hmm. um, nothing came from it, which whatever is fine. You know, you're right, Podrick didn't need to be there and Bronn didn't feel like he needed to be there, so it's fine for them both to leave. Um, Bronn cannot contractually be the same scene as Cersei, says Scott Cruz in the chat, which is really funny and maybe true. Because <laughs> they like dated in real life and stuff. Yeah, but can we get a source link on that? Can somebody post that here? I don't so know if that's true that they that. can't contractually be no, the same scene. I think same, that might be a joke. I've heard the same rumor that they can't well, really Somebody else said it. Yeah, I know, I know. That's fantastic. Okay, well, what happened? Um, maybe somebody fun. will dump it. Some maybe somebody will dump a link in chat, and we can confirm that story. But damn, um, I love Lena Hetty too. Like, can't she? Until just then, it is Hetty. Um. So the Hound says, "I left this shit city because I didn't want to die. Am I going to die in it?" And uh, Tyrion says, "You may." Every idea, some cunt Lannister is behind it, and some Clegane to help carry it out. Start awesome music. And at this point, another Lannister and another Clegane arrive. Indeed. Which I like. Thick as thieves, the Lannisters and the Cleganes. Cersei and company arrive. Well, the same thing. Cersei and company arrive. Jamie uh, and Bran are like, hey, what's up? Yep, the hound is greeted by the mountain. Remember me? Yeah, you do. You're even fucking uglier than me now. What do they do to you? It doesn't matter. That's how it ends for you, brother. That's you know, not how it ends for you, That's not how brother. it ends for you, brother. You know who's coming for you. You've always known. Um, I like that a lot. Some people were trying... Some people were confounded by this dialogue. I don't know why. Yeah, because... Just the way he talks, like as if he's speaking in the third person, but I'm fine with that. Yeah. So where is she, Cersei asks. She'll be here soon, Tyrion says. She didn't travel with you, no. People in the chat are asking too, who's coming for the mountain? Is it the Hound? And that's how I took yes. it. That he's saying, this isn't the end for you. The end for you is going to be me. Like I will get my revenge. Like we're still going to get our Clegane bull. Okay. Unila, I'm sorry, who posted this in the chat? 
the Game of Thrones thing? Terry Mitchell, Outpost. A, a bunch of people did. All right, a bunch of people, a bunch of our chat people posted, the weird reason Cersei and Bronn are never in the same scene in Game of Thrones on unilad.co.uk. This is written by Julia Bannum. Um, he has been the right-hand man for both her brothers, however, their paths have seemingly never crossed. In the most recent episode, we see Bronn sneak off a crafty pint with Podrick seconds before Cersei arrives, even though there is about to be a very important meeting, which they really should be attending. I mean, we can all relate, but this was quite the life or death situation sort of meeting. Basically, actors Lena Headey and Jerome Flynn actually used to be an item, but things really didn't end well. They are now no longer on speaking terms and can't stand to be in the same room together. According to some reports, according to some reports, being kept separate is even a binding part of the contract. So we don't know if that's confirmed, but that sounds like the showrunners are trying to keep them apart for a reason. Yeah. Whether or not it's contractual, contractual, we just can't say. But the article continues. It must be a nightmare working alongside your ex, especially if things ended badly. It makes you wonder about the scenes we could have had if these two excellent actors were able to work alongside each other. After all, you would think scenes between Cersei and Bronn would be pretty interesting. And of course, important when you consider Bronn's loyalty to the Cersei's brother lover, Jamie. <laughs> Sorry. Breakups are terrible, but they do say time heals all wounds. See Arya's gut. Will Lena and Jerome be able to patch things up enough to give us just one more memorable meeting in the next and final season? Uh, great find. Thank you very much to the chat. Yeah, I was going to say, even somebody sent me an older article from 2014. Um, from or posted it um, Telegraph by Tim Walker. Um, Jerome and Lena aren't on speaking terms anymore and they are never in the same room at the same time, a member huh. of the crew said. It's a pity because they appear to have patched things up for a while, but now the word is they should be kept apart at all costs. There you go. So that sounds pretty fucking crazy. Heated. All right, so we have this long beat and then, of course, the dragon shows up. And the music is phenomenal. Here, Drogon is so awesome. He is, they have really nailed this shit. I think Benioff and Weiss both know that if you're going to show a dragon, you can't fuck it up. And they've continued to deliver very strongly in this episode with Drogon. He looks fantastic. I love the way he screeches, the way he slinks down for her to um, unmount him. Or dismount would be a better way to say it. Unmount him. I think it's awesome. I just think it's he's fantastic. The screaming, the fucking yeah, bitch kind of attitude. He's just cool. I like him a lot. Um, solid poker face from Cersei, I will say. Yeah, even though you know she's like, holy shit. Very strong, very strong guts from Cersei here. And uh, I just wrote Joe in my notes. Drogon is so fucking gnarly. Drogon is awesome. So Danny walks to her seat. Her and Cersei exchange looks. We've been here for some time, Cersei says. Uh, Euron interrupts Tyrion. I have your sister. If you don't submit, I'll kill her. So Euron just breaks into this shit like he does. He just big dicks his way into this shit. Which I feel like is in character, but so annoying. Me too. It's so in character and so annoying. Like he's a fucking douche and I hate him. Not in like the way where I was like, oh my God, I hate Ramsey because he's a horrible person. But what a fucking character. I'm like, this guy is a fucking douche. Just hate kill fuck? him. Is he worth a hate fuck, you think? I mean, he looks like the poor man's Ewan McGregor, but that's still not enough for not me. Enough for He's a not fuck. a boyfriend, I'm afraid. No. All right. <laughs> Dean crosses that out of his notes. Okay, um, that's not going to happen. I think we, I thought to, we, I think we have to begin with logic concerns, Tyrion says. And of course, Euron takes this uh, opening to joke about Tyrion's stature. You know, the smallest concern here. Euron goes on to say that dwarves are killed at birth on the Iron Islands. Jamie then says, sit down, as does Cersei. And then the mountain stands up. And that's when I shit my pants a little bit. 
And then you Tyrion did? finally continues. <clears throat> I was like, kill him. He's on my Deadpool. It comes down to Cersei asking, why are we here? Right? All this dialogue. Right. And John says, it's not about living in harmony. It's just about living. People in the chat are saying like, there was a lot of show and tell and um, something about a TED talk. What? Um, this, um, this scene is a little when John and Tyrion like start explaining things and like demonstrating. It is a little bit, a little cheesy. Well, mm. like they practice this. They're like, okay, so at this part, we're going to take out the walker and then the hound's going to slice them and then you're going to say something and then I'm going to do the fire thing and they're going to watch oh, it and be like, ooh. It's a little and then corny. I'm going to do the dragon glass thing and George's going to hand it to me because he wants to be involved because he feels really left out because the whole like Danny thing and... It's like a class project yeah. where you knew like Tyrion took the lead, but at the end, John's like, but I'm going to present it. And Jorah's like, what the fuck? I work so hard too. So they let him do that one thing where he hands the dragon glass over. And the hound was like, I am here because I need this credit. I'll kick the box over. Okay. I'm fucking failing school. I could use the this, credit. This is literally like every time I took a fucking summer class and it was like me and a bunch of PC friars. Right. And they were all just like, Let's just get this over with so we can play basketball in the winter. They should have the... You can kill them with fire. Hey! Like cheesy 50s commercial. Yes. That would have been cool. Some people, like... You can tell when people are starting it, and they're like, oh, did they measure the chain out? No, it was in the fucking hound's hands, and then he just pulled it taut when it got close enough. Yeah, and also, they thought the thing was just going to jump out. He realized he was going to kick it over, and the thing was just going to go cray. Yeah, whatever. So he dumps the thing out. It runs at Cersei. The hound is holding the chain, kind of like when we walk our dog on the long lead, and then he just goes and tightens his hands, yeah. and boom, he stops the thing. That monster is just like our dog. Because he's strong as Running fuck. at people so she can lick them in the face. He didn't measure out the links. He just held the chain and then applied tension to the chain to stop it from grabbing her. He should have just let it go. <laughs> let it that go. Fucking let awesome. it go. Did you just sing Frozen? Yeah. So have the, you ever even seen Frozen? No. <laughs> what the fuck? So the hound reveals the white, not so much of a poker face for Cersei now. Love it. Or anyone for that matter. The hound yanks it back. He then slashes it in half. Kyburn's boner is so hard. His necrotic oh God, so hard. undead boner is throbbing with its pallid flesh and blue vein tones. This is true. He it is, really it is into he, it. If he can't wait to get back to the lab and just put that angry undead boner into a, some sort of corpse. Because this shit makes him hard as a rock. Okay. I've never seen Kyburn sexually aroused until he picked up that white hand. And what about boy, the time where he got like on um, that other bro killed? I feel like he had a hard on then. He probably had a murder boner. Yeah, like a murder boner. But he didn't have a Frankenstein experiment boner. I guess those things are different. They are very different. One is lust, one is love. I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I know a lot about murder boners, I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. And Kyburn has definitely had those for it's real. It's massive. No one else does, by the way. Everyone else totally flaccid here. For the record. Yeah. This is, again, Lena Hetty, although she may hate Braun in real life and can't even be the same scene as him, which is crazy talk, but true, apparently. It's, hey, hey guys, be professionals, will you? Just, just work together. I work with for people I hate sake. all the time, every day. I don't know. I mean, not really. There's, I don't hate anybody. But I work with people that hate me all the time. That's fine. Like Dean. <laughs> um, anyways, he's giving me the wrap it up Let's hands. go. I can tell that liquor's working. You're getting bogged down in nonsense. <laughs> I love this moment when the thing comes after her and she is legitimately scared. I love this. 
Now you give me a thumbs up because that was a good job. Great job. I did great work here. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I wish this video podcast would be so much better. Why? So they I could... see you making hands at me? Yes. So <laughs> many hands. I make so many hands at you. I talk more than my hand. Like I'm like, I talk more than my hands than Italians do. So anyway, nobody else does. John continues the demonstration with fire. And then, by the way, Davos makes a lovely assistant. Yeah, I should have. I said Jor because I think Jor handsome dragon glass, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe that's just my dreams. Like Davos is the guy who's just like, John, here you I go. feel like I'm watching the prestige. <laughs> Davos is like the fucking assistant, the, the beautiful assistant. All right. If we don't win this fight, then that is the fate of every person in this world. There is only one war that matters, the Great War. And it is, yeah. Why are you saying it in Doesn't matter. somebody different's voice? <laughs> Danny says, I didn't believe it until I saw them. Um, and then Jamie says, well, how many? 100,000 at least. Damn. That was cool that Jamie and Danny talked for a minute. Um, Yoron does his fake leave out. Well, this is the only thing I've seen that terrifies me. I'm going back to my island. He I walks think he sold over it well. To, he, I do too. He walks over to Danny and says, you should go back to yours. When winter is over, we will be the only ones left alive. As I was talking to the Dothraki, more specifically. I think he was talking to Danny. Because they're from an island. The fuck would he ever talk to the Dothraki? Because they're from an island. You better watch this episode again and come back and podcast. <laughs> I wrote that on my notes. They talked to the Dothraki. You're wrong. He's talking. Dothraki. Why the fuck would he address the Dothraki? <laughs> oh my God. He's for sure talking to Danny. No, but the, Danny doesn't live on an island. The Dothraki live on an island. She doesn't live on Dragonstone? That's not really an island. Well, I'm sorry. It's surrounded by water on all sides. <laughs> it's literally an island. I don't know. <laughs> it's time for your bed time. I know. I'm going to finish this by myself. Go ahead. That's probably best take a for bath. all of us. Take no, a bath not a bath before you've been bad. bed. Yes, you take a bath. <laughs> Anything but that. <laughs> take a bath. <laughs> That's the ultimate torture. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I like, I, I feel like Euron really sells this. He does. Because I was just like, holy shit, you're just going to walk away. And but it then, makes sense because we've always doubted his loyalty. Right. But then I got real excited because I was like, for fucking sure Cersei's going to kill this guy, right? She's not just going to let him walk away. And then I was excited because he's on my Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in truth, he is just going to get a golden company. John in the chat cuts you with very hard dragon glass. Get Keith on the line. John, get out of here. Wow. I don't care that Keith is your own personal Kyburn. I got that email where you <laughs> talked about that, okay? <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. That's a true story. Oh, damn. She's airing out deep shit. All right. I, ch- I checked my LSG media email for the first time today. I have one email. It was from John Marchinson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's right to be afraid and a coward to run. The crown, right? He's, a, he's right to be afraid and he's a coward to run. Mm-hmm. The crown accepts your truce. Until the dead are defeated, they are the true enemy, Cersei says. But first. But first. <laughs> John sighs a sigh of relief, but oh no, it's not over. Cersei says, in return, the king in the north will extend this truce. He will remain in the north where he belongs. He will not take up arms. He will not choose sides. Uh, this makes sense from Cersei, because if Cersei is the queen of Westeros, then he is the warden of the north. But no. Danny... Uh, Danny says, just the king of the north? Cersei says, well, I would never ask it of you. If you accepted it, I trust you less than I do now. She goes on about how Ned Stark's son will keep his word, essentially. And then John and Missy already has pledged to Danny. Cersei is pissed off. Then there mm-hmm. is no deal. She storms off. Brienne confronts Jamie in a great moment for I agree. Brienne. I think this is great because even though it seems like against her character, 
it's cool that she can see the bigger picture and break that for a minute. Here. I think that's the best thing is that it's against her character Absolutely. and that shows how important this is. Absolutely. I love it. And I love Brienne. Fuck loyalty. This goes beyond. Talk to the queen and tell her what Jamie says. Um, so they all kind of take off and then Davos says, I wish you wouldn't have done that. Um, Danny says, I'm grateful for your loyalty to John, but my dragon died so we can be here. If it's all for nothing, then he died for nothing. All right. Before I continue, can I ask some questions? Go. One, do you think Cersei ever intended to actually keep a truce even if John agreed to stay in Winterfell? To keeping a truce? Like, do you think she was actually going to fight with them if John agreed to not take up arms against the Lannisters and to not side with anybody? Well, the Golden Company was already inbound. We know that. That's not, I'm, I'm just, I guess that's a moot point. I'm just asking, do you think that if John would have said, okay, I will not take sides, I will not take up arms against the Lannisters, I will let you guys fight it out on your own and be uninvolved, I'll stay in the North, do you think she would have marched North? That's a really good question. I know. I'd like you to answer it, sir. Oh my God, Matthew Anderson's here. He doesn't even know anything about Ugh. Game of Thrones. Get out of here, sir. Just kidding. <laughs> um, hmm. It's a good question. Yeah, I know. Um, I think that Cersei is an opportunist and I always believe that Cersei is going to do the thing, the best thing that she can do in, the, in that moment and take advantage of any opportunity that she can get. Okay. Um, so that said, I sometimes wonder, show, say the Golden Company shows up, say John does make this pledge, say it does go through, if she truly believes that John will keep his word, which it seems like she probably would based off of what she knows about Ned, that she probably would have done some kind of pretending to go north, and if she had the opportunity to strike, she would, but only if she really had a great opportunity to strike. I don't think... She, she'd have to be positioned in a way that she could end the war, right? I think she, I feel like Cersei knows that with these dragons and all these other people that are on Westeros, that she really has to have a one fail swoop attack to, to do this. So I don't know if she would. It's really hard to say. What do you think? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I think this is the idea of like they're going to try to double cross each other and what, what play is this person going to make? And her play is to get him to make this promise to show that to Danny that she cannot trust him or the Northerners as much to create a type of discord between them for when she strikes. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think that she ever intended to march north, ever. No matter how much that thing scared her in that brief moment, I don't think that was ever her intention. Okay, I like it. I tend to agree. But you... Okay. All right. Where to? Um, Tyrion. Well, we're in the same place, but can I also say oh, yeah, yes. about um, Brienne that she was awesome? Okay. Moving yes. On. <laughs> so let's go to Tyrion. Have you ever considered learning how to lie every now and again? Just a little. John says, I'm not going to swear an oath I can't uphold. Talk about my father. Tell me that got him killed. But when the people make false promises, words stop meaning anything. Then there are no more answers, only better and better lies, and lies will not help us in this fight. John will stand on his fucking honor, boy. This is true. He's the man. All right. Um, this does not surprise me. John's behavior doesn't surprise me at all here. This is how John is. He's going to, he is the olive branch extender. He will extend the olive branch and be honest with Cersei in an attempt to see what it gets him. Right. If it wasn't for other people around him, probably death. But he happens to have a good group of people around him. Right. So Tyrion has a plan. 
Everyone stays here. I'll talk to my sister. Now, obviously, this makes everyone unsettled because they surely think she's going to just murder Tyrion. Why wouldn't she, right? Exactly. Why wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she? I'm still not sure. Well, she walks off, he walks off, and we. I love the walk to see Cersei, the focusing on uh, Tyrion with the mountain behind him. Uh, it's great. And then, of course, they meet up with Jamie along the way, and we have this great scene between them. You want to talk to me about it? I know you liked it. Every time you put Jamie and Tyrion in the same scene, it's fantastic. I'm sorry, it is. They're so good together. They have so much chemistry. Not sexual chemistry, you know what I mean. I don't ship I don't them. think you needed to say that. Um, I, I know, think that but was then just I got lingering scared. in your head and you, <laughs> like an obsessive compulsive person, had to blurt it out. <laughs> um, every scene these two ever have together is great. Um, the, the, I, I always think back to the season four stuff between them and how good that was. Um, when Jamie freed him, before Jamie freed him, their conversation, even that stupid conversation when Tyrion talked about the Beatle, but how it was so great because him and Jamie really are so good. great together. About stupid. You love that too. Yeah, I can't the wait Beatle to find was stupid. The, the Beatle was stupid. It was stupid. No, it wasn't. Jamie and Tyrion together are awesome. Um, you know, uh, Jamie says people think he's an idiot for trusting Tyrion. Tyrion says that he's the idiot. He's going into a room with the most murderous woman in the world who's tried to kill him at least twice that he knows about. And I like Jamie who says, I suppose we should say goodbye, one idiot to another. Mm. Like I like that that's how they always interact with each other. There's so much fondness between the two of them. Um, it, it's just so well done. They're, they don't have a lot of screen time together but when they do anymore anyways. But when they do, it, it's just so perfect because the fondness between the two of them is so obvious and, and it's really been an important part of the show is how much they care for each other, which I really, really love. Yeah. Tyrion's line, I'm about to step into a room with the most murderous woman in the world who has already tried to kill me twice that I know of. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk Tyrion and Cersei. This is interesting. This is great. I love this scene. Again, Lena Headey, also awesome all she's, the time. And she's amazing. Tyrion's off his game, though, overall as a not, character not this season. This, not this episode. Well, he hasn't had no, much no. to do. Ooh. No, he's off his game. Every you mean you mean the actor? No, no, I mean oh, the character. Oh, yes, for sure, for sure. Peter Dinklage can literally do no wrong. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Well, think about Tyrion where he's at, man. Here's a guy who has a life. He was the hand of the king. He was pissing off his father. He got to fuck his girls. When's the last time he fucked a girl? And had you know, it's like you're denying the man the very things that make him flourish. Yeah, Bronn did say cocks are all that matter. So all right, so Tyrion and Cersei. A foreign whore who doesn't know her place, right? Cersei starts in with this. Cersei accuses Tyrion that he's plotting to destroy the family. That, that's always been I his goal. I don't want to destroy our family. I never have, Tyrion exclaims. He laid us bare for the vultures and they're tearing us apart. Uh, Tyrion tries to apologize. Cersei does not want to hear it. Tyrion tells her to kill him. If it weren't for me, do it. Say the word. Um, Cersei can't. She almost kind of snarls that she can't. I thought that was interesting. You want to talk about this part up to this moment? Tyrion pours, pours the booze? No, wait. Where does he pour the booze? I gotta look at my notes. All right, let me booze. just finish the dialogue and then we can talk. Oh, yeah. Let's do it at the end. Thank okay. you. Tyrion pounds some booze, offers her some. She doesn't take it. I am more sorry about the children than you can ever know. I don't care if you believe me. I love them. You know I did. You know in your heart if there's anything left of it. She says, it doesn't matter. Your love doesn't matter. I don't care why you why you did it, only that it cost us our future. And he says, why allow me to come then there if there is no future? Why did you allow me to come here if there's no future? Um, and she says, not to help my enemies collaborate my destruction. No, 
but you must have hoped for something. Cersei wonders what Tyrion hoped for. Why did he want Jon to bend the knee? You said she would destroy King's Landing. Tyrion goes on to talk about uh, how he helps curb her impulses versus giving into them, unlike Cersei kind of does at times. Jesus Christ, could these be any more stuck together? I don't know. The fuck? Oh my God, that was so aggravating. Okay, Cersei doesn't care. Hang the world, she says. She's not interested in the world. When it came at me, the world disappeared. When that when that thing came, when that thing came at me, the world disappeared, right down as black throw. All I could think about was keeping it away from my family. Maybe Euron had the right idea. Get on a boat, motherfucker, and protect the ones that matter. That was a direct quote from Cersei, by the way. They get on a boat, motherfucker. Part. During this, she touches her belly, and then Tyrion takes the bait because this is a setup. Uh, yeah, it is. He says you're pregnant, and this is great from from. Uh, Dinklage. He's, he's excellent here. A big beat, and then, of course, Cersei feigns a bit, right? Wow. This is uh, this is uh, pretty incredible stuff here from Cersei. As I say, Tyrion is off his fucking game. Like, this is like, literally, it is so clear how heavily she's trying to telegraph it, and this is somebody in the chat, and I want to scroll up and see if I can find who asked it. Hold on. Um, Skull Viking said, did the wine mean anything? Was it poisoned? This is, no, this is what the wine meant. Tyrion pours himself a nice little glass of wine. He drinks it. He pours one for Cersei. He is, this is an olive branch here. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, we both like to drink wine. And I don't know anything that brings people more together than a good glass of wine, okay? Cersei doesn't drink it. Not because it's poisoned, but because she's already going through this like cycle of like, I want him to think I'm pregnant. Yeah, I don't course. know if in the Game of Thrones world they know that wine is bad for pregnancy because in the 70s they didn't know wine was bad for pregnancy. <laughs> but whatever. That's why that was in the scene because she's already selling the pregnancy just like she says, when I saw that thing and she touches her little fucking belly. She has so severely manipulated Tyrion and he falls for it so grossly that I'm actually somewhat disappointed in him, I must say. He laid his soul bare to her and And he she didn't, fucked him. But... I could see, I could see in a sense maybe him falling for it when she doesn't fucking kill him, and and she's his family, and I and I right. still feel there's like a family no bond matter here. what there, there's got to be something there where be. he's like she she's reaching she's extending this olive branch. There's something about her that I now know that makes this different. You know what I mean? Sure. To Tyrion, the idea that Cersei's pregnant means something different. He's always said Cersei was a good mother, right? Yes. That's the thing about Cersei that everyone's always said. So this to Tyrion, like she's pregnant. She's going to have another baby. This matters to her. She's going to care about the greater good and not just Cersei. He thinks that this means something that it doesn't. Because Cersei's still a fucking bitch. Right, right. She blew up the Sept of Baelor, right? I mean, she didn't care there were probably pregnant women in there. Her well, kid killed himself and she blamed it on Tyrion. By the way... When she says, oh, that the reason why Marcella and Tommen are dead is because Tyrion killed Tywin because no one was there to protect them. Bitch, you blew up a fucking Septon with all of Tommen's little friends and his wife and he killed himself. I don't think that had anything to do with Tywin or fucking Tyrion. There's one person to blame for that and that is you. Right, she doesn't Thanks see it that bye. way though. She walks it all the way back to if Tywin was alive, there never would have been a fucking high sparrow, which she's right about. Great, fantastic. She is the I'm reason not saying why she's he right. is dead. I'm not saying she's right. I'm just telling you that's in her fucking mind. That's what she thinks. Great. If, 
Tywin wasn't murdered, then things would be much different and I would have my children. I think she really believes that. Um, Maybe she does, but like um, Skull Viking says in the chat, she is delusional and she is wrong. Yeah, perhaps. Is she delusional or just manipulative? Well, she's manipulative, but I but but I think she might be partially delusional too in her saying that like Tyrion killed these kids. Yeah. He didn't. She she for sure she's is a clearly reason a narcissist. dead. She's clearly a narcissist. So. And she's also the reason Marcella's dead because Marcella's dead because of all this other fucking drama with Dorne. Yeah. Who sent Marcella to Dorne? That was Tyrion. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But she was fine there until fucking Alaria Sand. She was useless. Anyway. I think she's looking right about now. I think that she's definitely alive I as so her daughter too. rots in front of her and she cries every day. Yikes, that's dark. Yeah, okay. Well, that's what's happening. Um, but we cut away from this. What do you think was discussed here? Do you think it was nothing? Do you think Tyrion... Do, do, do you, we'll come to Tyrion sitting at the door. Ew. Let's go to John and Dunny. Yeah. No one is less happy about this than I am. I know. I respect what you did, she says. I respect you hadn't... I wish you hadn't done it, but I respect it. And he says, she talks about... Uh, this place was the beginning of the end of my family. And she goes on to say, Dragon is not a slave, and we locked them in here. They wasted away, grew small, and we grew small. We were just like everyone else without them. Aw, what's the matter? You guys aren't cool without your dragons? Um, and he says, you're not like everyone else, and your family hasn't seen its end, and you're still here. Then he says that she can't have children. John says, well, that's because you haven't faced the power of my northern loads. Exactly. And you're about to on that boat. I like when he's like, who told you you can't have children? And she's like, oh, this crazy witch this one time who made me eat a heart. And he's like, do you ever think that maybe she's not the most reliable? <laughs> maybe you should see like a, you know, like an OBGYN or something and then get back to me. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, uh, so you were right from the beginning. If I trusted you, everything would be different. So what now, John asks. And Danny lays it out. She can't forget about what she saw. She can't pretend to trust Cersei. And John says, well, I guess we're fucked. But oh no, Tyrion comes back. He's like, surprise! And with Tyrion, Cersei, which I doubt they expected to see. And we got cool music here, and then Cersei speaks. My armies will not stand down. I will not pull them back. I will march them north to fight alongside you in the Great War. The darkness is coming for all of us, and we will face it together. When the war is over, perhaps you'll remember that I choose to help you with no promises from any of you. I expect nots. Call our banners. So... This is also well played by Cersei because she's saying she's going to help, but she's also being kind of cunty, which I appreciate because that would be the better sell on this gambit. Right. Right. Good stuff here. So then John starts planning the moving. Dothraki to Winterfell. John and Danny will sail to White Harbor together. Um, we will sail and bone together. Ugh. And Jorah, the smart one, not just because he's friend zoned, is like, hey, if you sail, someone will legit kill you if they want to. If you fly in your dragon, they won't kill you. Do you want to be dead? Or do you want to bang Jon Snow? And Danny's like, oh, Jon said I should ride with him. And you said I should ride my dragon. So I think I'm going to ride with Jon. Jorah, I will ride the dragon in the Ugh. boat. My nephew dragon. Ugh. I can't. Um. Mm. At what point do we want to talk about like if Tyrion is doing shady shit when he's like he watching them bang? His people in the chat just mentioned there are theories that he made he a secret is. deal with her off screen. No, I, I just think he is. I feel like what Tyrion is doing here is that he is maybe he's just lamenting their future. 
Is it possible Tyrion knows a little bit about Jon Snow's origins? I don't think so because Bran says nobody knows. I I, I agree with that. Um, I don't know. I mean, they, they it's it it feels like it's not nothing. It feels like it's something when because Tyrion's they show standing it out twice. There? Yeah, I don't like it. It freaks they, me out. They show it twice. I guess we should talk about that when we get to the banging. Yeah, I don't know what else there's to say, but let's uh, let's go to Theon and John. This is a great scene. I agree. Standout scene. I agree. I say it every time we talk about him. I love Elfie Allen. He is really, really good. And he was a star in this episode in his brief moments. Yeah, I agree. Everything he did was great. Hey, Matt Anderson, get the fuck out of chat. You, everyone's talking about Game of Thrones. No the one fuck wants you to doing? talk about Spike Lee, sir. You're fired from LSG. Go fuck yourself. You're fired now. <laughs> Just kidding, buddy. He's not um, kidding. No, I I'm, see him signing termination papers. It's really uncomfortable, <laughs> honestly. I'm not kidding. I'm just fucking with him. But um, not only does he not watch it, he comes in here and talks about other shit. He must want me to punch him in the face when I, I meet him in the airport. I can't wait until there's a Walking Dead <laughs> podcast because Lord knows I can give a shit about that show because I am for sure going to show up in the chat and I'm going to talk about like Lost yeah. and Buffy. And yeah. Keith Benoit is going to shit himself in anger. It's true. <laughs> essentially. It's true. Um, all right. So Theon and John, is, this is good shit. Theon compliments John on what he said in King's Landing. He says, you could have lied. You risk everything to tell an enemy the truth. You've always known what was right, even when we were young and stupid. Every step you take was the right step. And then John offers a little bit of a, look, I promise you that's not true. It only looks that way from the outside. Um, and then Theon continues, I always want to do the right thing, be the right kind of person. I never knew uh, what that meant. It always seemed like there was an impossible choice I had to make, Stark or Greyjoy. And that's when John drops this shit on him, which is so beautiful. He says, Our father was more of a father to you than yours ever was, and you betrayed him. Theon agrees, I did. He then says, He's part of you, just like me. But what I can forgive, I do. You don't need to choose. You're a Greyjoy, and you're a Stark. Well, isn't this a little it's on the nose fucking here? It's beautiful. In, in a fantastic way. Who cares? Why when John Snow isn't a guy to talk subtext. No, no, he talks I know. Directly. But I'm saying like th- this is very on the nose because John is talking about himself in a way. Yeah. You know. He doesn't know it yet. Right. But, you know, he says our father's always going to be a part of us. You don't need to choose your Greyjoy or Stark. John's going to be a Targaryen and a Stark. Um, and, and, and what what I really love is when John immediately when they're talking at the end, like there's always this impossible choice, Stark or Greyjoy. And John refers to Ned as he says, our father. It's not even like a thought, like he thought Correct. about it and he's like, I'm going to say this thing. He's like, Ned Stark was my father and he was your father. Like he means that and that is so much to say and I feel like there's always been this thing in Theon where he was raised by this family that essentially took him and his own family didn't respect him and he he probably always felt this thing inside of him where he mm-hmm. like loved the Stark so much but at the same time he had to prove that he was a Greyjoy because then the Greyjoys, you know, kind of shit on him for of course, it. He's in the middle of some shit. So he was, he was always in this weird place where he was such an asshole. And like, I, I know someone was like watching the show for the first time. And she's like, no, I hate that snivelly kid. And we're like, who was that snivelly kid? And then we realized <laughs> yeah. it was Theon. Um, and in the character, arc is, he's gone through from the snivelly kid to the fucking asshole. You hate him to the guy who's torturing, feel bad for him to reek. And eventually you're like, this is fucking sickening to save Sansa. And you're like, great. But then he goes back to being a puss. And now you're finally like, Oh my God, finally. It's it's been quite, it's been quite the up and down. 
But but this is what a great conversation where John is essentially talking to himself in five minutes and. You know, once but he finds he, out the he truth. is, but he isn't in this no. moment. He's really given talking Theon, to Theon something, and Theon's reaction here is just great. I agree. It's great. Um, when I was Ramsay's prisoner, Yara tried to save me. She's the only one who tried. She needs me now. So why are you still talking to me? And John walks away. Awesome. Love it. I love that scene. Me too. A lot. I, so let's one talk of the about best in the episode. Theon's defiant fisticuffs against a man named Harag. I called him douchewagon in my notes. He is a douchewagon. Harag of the douchewagons. Yes. Like the douchewagons before him. Haran, Greyjoy of the douchewagons. All right. Um, all of us chose to follow Yara and you left her. She would never leave one of us behind. We're not leaving her behind. They say she's dead, that you left her. He admits he was a coward. This is the other thing Theon always does. Every time he's accused of something, he admits it. Yeah, and he's been doing that for a while now, I feel. He That's has. a reek thing, I think. He has. A little. It is, but it's also a man who has made peace with his past in a sense to where he knows about the... He's not delusional about the bad things he's done. Right, exactly, which I like. Me too. Theon also tells us to Harag that they are done with their reaving ways, which I thought was interesting. So apparently there's a, there's a bit of a renaissance coming to the Greyjoy household. They will not be raping and pillaging anymore. But of course not. That's not, like you said, like... Yara decided this. Of yes. course, Yara wouldn't be like, yeah, I think we should rape and pillage. Yes. Um, Theon also tells us, too, that they're done with this and it's uh, time to be civilized. The dude spits in his face and they get into quite the fisticuffs. Uh, Theon gets pounded pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually gets the better, better of this man after he tries to kick him in the dick a few times, which I'd imagine with all the scar tissue would still hurt, but not quite like getting kicked in the balls. I just like there's... <laughs> There, there's something about this scene where the guy's like, hey, if you get up, I'll kill you. And in this guy's face, he's like, I'm going to fucking kick him in the balls and that's going to be a real blow. And like Theon's expression where at first he's like surprised and then he realizes yes. this guy thinks this, but he's wrong. And he almost like smiles and it gives him like this renewed like, oh my God, I'm going to kill this guy. Yes. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love the surprise on his face. And Theon, Theon's response where he's like, I have the upper hand, like he smiles. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And he beats the shit out of the guy, and I love that too. Maybe he's like, I can feel sexual pleasure. I don't think that's what he said. How dare you insult him in this beautiful scene um, where he's getting kicked and then, in the uh, non-existent dick. He, gets, he, he mounts on this guy and pounds him out, and then he chants, not for me, for Yara. They'll say Yara. I love the stumbling into the salt water. Me this was too. cool because it was in the preview for mm-hmm. the season. And uh, this sort of baptism, we know that the Greyjoys are... This is like a thing, right? It'd be yes. cool if we went a little deeper, but I'll take it. No, I loved it. Splashes the salt water on his face and he's born again. That was, it was, it was very good directing. It's slick. It was very beautifully shot. Yep. I'm excited because I feel like we're going to get a good Theon in, in season eight. I hope so. Until he dies saving Yara. Because 100%, that's what's going to happen. Just like 100%, Grey Worm was going to die. <laughs> what is dead may never die. <laughs> what is dead may never die. This is true. All right. Um, Elfie Allen. Bottoms fucking up. love him. He was great. Cheers to him. Yep. All right. Jamie and Cersei. Yeah. Let's talk about the sweet, bold, handsome knight. This is the most I've liked Jamie since he was with Brienne. Not sexually, but that time they were together. Okay. Of, as friends. That could be sexual. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> so uh, he's planning for war, as generals do. Um, and she calls him stupid. Are you a traitor or an idiot? She's so kind. She is. She says, I always knew you were the stupidest Lannister. Cersei, you're a fucking bitch. Like, I, I want to like call her the C word. She is terrible. 
He has, he is, Jamie's always been very clever. I don't know what she's talking about. He's still alive, right? Yeah. And there's plenty of dead Lannisters. She lays it down. Look, she's not going. And that's when uh, she says, this isn't about noble houses. This is about, oh, he says, this isn't about noble houses. This is about the living and the dead. And Jamie says, and I quote, I made a promise. He's a knight, right? Mm-hmm. This fucking guy, he made a promise. He's going to stick to that shit, son. What do you think of that? I, I, I open like, court amongst the lords of Westeros. He made a promise. I like that he wants to stick to it. And he also, I think, sees the severity of the situation. As he keeps explaining to Cersei, he's like, hey, this is stupid. They're going to come and kill us all. And he's like, either way, if they go to war, one, one, one's going to win. The dead are going to win and kill us. Or Danny and John are going to win and kill us. What do you want? Either way, we end up dead. Right. Um, he understands the situation. And, and what I love is when Jamie, like when Cersei's calling him stupid and saying, of course, we're not going to go north. Jamie is legitimately shocked. Shocked. His face is like, He's what the so fuck? He's so shocked. And, and I love that. Like, he cannot believe that she would do this. Where all of us are like, yeah, no fucking shit she did that, Jamie. Get with the program. Yep. And you know what's interesting about this? Jamie, I, I, think, I think you could look at the odds and consider the odds and consider it as part of his choice. Absolutely. But I really don't want to look past the fact that he made a promise in open court to a bunch of lords. And I know that Jamie has had a bit of a rogueness to him. But I think in his, I think this is something that's newfound, and and I I really like this. I like that he says I made a promise, as if Cersei gives a fuck about what you promise. But he said it anyway, and he said it to her, and it matters to him. And I think that's really cool. Cersei brings up father and the importance of gold, the golden company. Euron's bringing them back. You plotted with Euron Greyjoy without telling me. Jeremy, Jamie doesn't like this either. This shows mm-hmm. a lack of trust here. Um, she brings up the conspiring with Tyrion. Uh, which doesn't go over well. This is a great argument. I pledge to ride north. I intend to honor that pledge. Again, Jamie says it again. He's known as being the oath breaker and he doesn't want to be anymore. Right. He wants to turn over a new leaf. Aww. Well, he killed Ares Targaryen and yes, in that he broke an oath, but I mean, shit. But I'm just saying that that's what he's known as and he's always talked about. Remember the scene when they were looking at the history book and Jamie was like reading his section yes, and, and they're like- Joffrey was a cunt. yeah. And and somebody else was like, oh, there's still time for more. And Joffrey is like a bitch to him about yeah. it. And where I feel are all your like, entries, uncle? But I feel like this is a, <laughs> you know, this type of thing where he can still rewrite his story in a manner where he's not the fucking oath breaker. Right. Yep. I pledge stride north. I intend to honor that pledge. That's badass shit from Jamie, man. That's fucking badass. Yeah. She starts talking treason and he's just like, I'm leaving. Fuck this bitch. We're done. The mountain steps in the way and I freeze. At home. I freeze. You are not home. I, you know what I'm saying? I freeze. I'm the only one you have left. There is one more left to come. And he says, give the order then. The mountain unsheaths his sword. And Jamie just says, I don't believe you. Well, at you. first he's scared. Of course he is. And then he says, I don't believe you. And right. walks away. Right. And he has a good instinct for her. Enough to know that she probably won't murder him right there. I have to tell you that... When Tyrion sat in the room with Cersei, I never once worried for his safety. And I never for a second thought I would worry for Jamie's safety. But in this moment, when this happened, my heart was beating Mine out of too. my chest. And I was like, holy shit, they're going to fucking kill Jamie Lannister here. And I, I will too. be shocked. And I would be so mad if they killed I, her. 
I would have been like, oh my God, this is this is the Game of Thrones that we've watched a million times where you just kill somebody for no reason. And you're like, holy shit, they had so much more story left, but we killed them because- Not no reason. Like, Not no reason. They usually have reasons. No, but you, you don't, this is a re- perfect reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I understand. But but this was the one moment in, in the first moment in a long time, other than when I thought Tormund was going to die and he didn't, where, where I really felt scared for a character, a major character, where I was like, holy shit, I can't believe this. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe they're going to kill Jamie Lannister right here. Like I was at the edge of my seat and my heart was pounding. Um, so this, they did a really good job of building this tension where I, I yep. say, I feel like I don't have it as much anymore as I used to. Cause I feel like they're kind of people seem safer now than they did a couple seasons ago. But sure, in this sure. moment, Jamie didn't feel safe. So they can still make you feel that way. And Indeed. I, I'm, I wish they made you feel that way more. Yep. It was cool. I liked it. Um, Jesus Christ. If I have to see Tyler Sparks say no one dies again, I'm going to fucking drown myself. <laughs> I'm going to join the drown God. <laughs> Dean will be dead and that will be fantastic. All right. Um, just kidding. Wow, that's, that's dark. I was just kidding. Um, All these fucks are going to die next season. Don't worry. So I do want to say though that um, about Jamie and before we talk about the snow and all that stuff and it's awesome. Um, this to me is a pivotal moment in the show her letting Jamie live because I feel like this cements with 100% certainty that Jamie will kill Cersei and that her death will be at his hands and that's how this is going to go. I feel like her letting him go and not killing him when she obviously had the opportunity to is going to lead to her downfall. Right. I know there's some people who are like, well, she's on um, Arya's list. I mean, Arya will kill her. Maybe this, maybe that. I, I feel 100% certain. I don't know the circumstances. I don't know what's going to push him to that. But I just think that what she did by not killing him here has sealed her fate and he will be the end of Cersei next season. Mm-hmm. So I, someone let's, take let's, that note and remember. I think we should talk about Cersei's decision not to kill him. It's because she loves him. Is that what you believe? Why would, else wouldn't she kill him? No, I, I, I guess that seems reasonable. It, it seems reasonable to me that she wouldn't for that reason. That I, she really does love him. I, I think there are emotions in the way for her. Right. But at the same, on the same token, um, I, I don't know. Like, so let me ask you this: What does that mean? So, so she lets him escape. She lets him leave the keep. She lets him leave the castle. She must know he's going to go and tell them that a, the Golden Company's coming. She's going to have a massive army, and b, she's not going to help you. Like, does she? Is that secret worth having guys ride out and try to capture him? Why not capture and abduct him there? Like, do you think that secret is so important to her plan that she never intended to ride north or that she's just not going to? Like, oh, we're hoping, where are you going? And then the raven comes. I've decided not to come. Like, how did, I wonder how in her mind she considered the fact that she wasn't going to ride north. Was she just going to let everyone leave and go home and then say, sorry, I've decided I'm not going to help you guys in your fight against the Night King? I think she's just going to not show. Just not show. They'd be like, ooh, it's like five past. And Cersei said she'd be here right on the hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's normally late though. So we're going to, we're going to hold. We're, we're not going to send a raven until like she's 20 minutes late. Right. And then at that point, we'll send the raven. So she obviously knows. Yes. And Scott's saying this in the chat. She obviously knows that he's going to tell them. Yes. It, which means she's considered this and has a thought process surrounding it or some sort of plan, right? I think because she figures by the time he gets to them, tells them that they believe him, that they don't just kill him outright, that the Golden Company will be there and she'll have that. Maybe. I mean, I doubt she expected Jamie to leave. 
I don't think she expected it either. Right. That's something she didn't expect, I'm going to say, 100% true. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that Cersei is an opportunist, and maybe she thought, well, maybe if Jamie's on that side and things go tits up, maybe he'll be my last hope at not dying, right? Yeah. Because if, if she gets, if whatever happens, happens, and Jamie's on the other side, much like t- they've saved each other in the past, Tyrion saved Jamie, Jamie saved Tyrion kind of shit because they were on opposite sides. Mm-hmm. Maybe she, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe she's going to try to use it to her advantage in some plan. I can't imagine her not because she's too clever. Yeah, look at how clever she's already been. Right. This whole episode, she's the cleverest. She, she wins this episode. When he, when he was like, fuck this, I'm out. She's like, okay, don't kill him. Part of that's love, but now she's thinking it's possible. Jamie, it's possible. Cersei was like, "I can't murder my brother lover right here, right now." That'd be so weird. And then when she let him go, she started to cook up an idea on how to make it happen. Well, what the plan might be? What's the play? We know there's going to be one. She's yeah. Sneaky, there's definitely going to be she's something sneaky as fuck. True. Not to mention if Jamie died, it's possible word of this reached Tyrion. Think about that. And what does Tyrion do? Oh, nothing. He's got to go fight the White Walkers. Yeah. What does Brand do? She gets real pissed and she kills Cersei. No, nah, that's, that's a stretch. These people Jamie's are just, bro. they don't just ride over and walk in and kill each other. Like there's know. armies and gates and, you know, like, but they can't just go kill people indiscriminately. But anyway. Touche. Yeah. Yeah. The question we have to ask Skull is saying, how does Jamie telling the North of Cersei's plan help Cersei? That's the question because she let it happen. But like you said, it's unlikely she anticipated he would. He would flee. It'll be interesting. Mm, interesting. Hmm. Yes. Anyway. Uh, it's snowing in King's Landing. Winter is here. Jamie it's here. dressed down, looking all roguish, looking like a badass. Snow falling. Snow in the dragon pit. Snow at King's Landing. Very cool. And uh, that's that. So, boning. We're going to talk about the boning. Thank God that this means I can almost go to bed and never think about these two boning again. Oh, do you? You got a, you got a, you got a uh, Deadpool t- t- update. Oh, Jesus Christ. And we got listener comments to do. So, they bone. Come on. Let's go. Let's get your blood pressure up. We got to talk about this. I, I know. All right. You hate it. So, what's your problem? I don't know. I just really can't. I just can't. <laughs> I, I don't think it's about incest. I really don't. I was team incest for a long time. and was like all chill with it. But it when, just, when who was incesting each other? I guess. <laughs> who are you team incest on? No, but I just like supported it. Like I wasn't against it. I don't want to judge. But <laughs> there's just something about like John and Danny together that I'm just not on board with. And I don't know what it is. And I know everybody ships them except me. But I just can't. I, I don't know what it is. I just don't like them together. It seems weird to me and too rom com And I just don't like it. I liked his butt, but that's it. And I barely looked. I closed my eyes and covered my face with a blanket. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I want to like them together because I feel like this is the main purpose of the show is for them to end up together. But for some reason, I just can't. It just doesn't work for me. And I don't know what. Like incest like has always been like to me, this thing where when people say, when people make fun and they make jokes about incest, what's it always about? Like, the South, right? Like incest, inbreeding, weird shit like that. And then, when, and then when you go way back, you go to like the royal family. But I wonder, I don't know. It's definitely, it's definitely considered taboo. But we've, I made this joke before on this podcast where I said, if two consenting adults are having sex for pleasure and they're not having it to procreate, is it objectively fucked up? 
I guess it isn't, according to the Targaryens. And they fucking have kids. They don't even give a shit. They're trying to keep that bloodline pure. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's intense. I don't have the mental power to go into it right now, but I know that uh, it's, definitely, it's definitely a little weird, for sure. But the one thing you can say about this is that they don't know. It's not like a weird power dynamic where some you know, older brother has dominion over a younger sister and he's forcing her to bang her. It's not like a weird power no. dynamic rape thing. It's not, it's, it's, and I think there's a lot of association with incest with that. Like, you know, go, going back to the Southern example, but, um, <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing. Like, it's not even the incest thing. I don't know what it is. There's just something about it that I just cannot get behind and I don't know what it is. I just don't like them you together. Hate couples. And I, you no, hate I Missandei like plenty and Grey of couples. Worm. You I like Tormund and Brienne. And I like Jorah and me. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's somebody else I ship on this show. Mm-hmm. I forgot who, though. I don't know. Gosh, I don't know either. Maybe I don't like couples. I hate when things end with people kissing. And this almost ended with them banging. And I was like, Ooh. There you go. So you're not into the union. But let's talk about, okay, since you can't verbalize any thoughts on that, is there anything you'd like to verbalize on this at all, where this is going, what it means? Why is Tyrion creepily watching outside the door is what I want to talk about. Okay. You want to talk about her possibility of being, well, let's talk about that Yeah, she's going to get Prego. We we all know. Like, this is like, this is like we all knew this this season was going to end with the dragon taking down the wall. Like, let's all be honest. Okay. Yes, Danny's going to get fucking pregnant from Jon. We know. Now I think Jon's going to die. Because Danny's going to get pregnant with John's baby and then he's going to die and Danny's going to have the baby. That sucks. She's going to have his baby. She can have babies. Some witch one time told her she couldn't have babies. That witch also told her to eat a fucking heart. So that's all I have to say about that. Right. So she's going to have a baby. You think this is now the killer of John Snow? Yeah, because I originally thought Danny was going to die, but now I don't anymore. Now I think John's going to die because Danny's going to have a baby. Or maybe she'll die in childbirth just like Luke and Leia's mother, a.k.a. Natalie Portman. Do you think that we have yet to even see Azora's eye? I'm starting to doubt um, that Azora's eye is like... Some people don't know about that shit. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder. Including me. I don't even know what that is, except that one time I watched a video about how Sir Pounce was Azor's eye, and that was the only video I cared about. Azor's eye is a legendary figure in the faith of Roller, the Lord of Light, thousands of years ago. He forged a sword Lightbringer, which he used to defeat the darkness of the Great Other. This came at a price, however, as in order to unleash the sword's true power, she had to plunge it into the heart of his long loving wife, Nisa Nisa, a prophecy foretells that he will be reborn as the prince that was promised, which is what Melisandre has surmised that it could be either Danny or John. Right? I, yeah, maybe it's one and then they kill the other. Like maybe Danny kills John so that she can defeat the Night King, but then she's pregnant. Yeah. There will come a day after a long summer when the stars bleed and the cold breath of darkness falls heavy on the world. In this dread hour, a warrior shall draw from the fire a burning sword, and that sword shall be Lightbringer the red sword of heroes. And he who clasps it shall be Azor's eye come again and the darkness shall be flee before him. So there you go. A lot of people have thought, is this John? Is this other person? Right? In the third and fifth novels, Melisandre states, when the red star bleeds and the darkness gathers, Azor's eye shall be born again amid smoke and salt to wake dragons out of stone. That makes it sound like Danny. The bleeding star has come and gone and Dragonstone is the place of smoke and salt. So... I know a lot of people have talked about one of our heroes being one of these people. Yeah. Or one of them going to have to sacrifice the other one. I don't really know. We, it's possible that none of them are and the fucking kid's going to be. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see. We can probably get into this in more depth when we do our wrap up. 
podcast. Yeah, there's not much else to say. I'm just wondering, does this mean one of them are going to die? And if so, does, are we cementing this prophecy for one of the survivors? But I don't know. Something to think about. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to talk about with their kids? Their, their boning, their union, that glorious ass? Definitely not, other than... They kind of do that cheesy, up. romantic, roll around thing. I can't. That makes me want to kill myself. I literally can't. I really wanted to see him going to pound town. You kind of did a little, I feel like, at one point, yeah. just like, but gently. <laughs> uh, no, no. I guess. They just kind of rolled around naked. Yeah, well, it's not porn, Dean. They're but if you want to Google it, I'm sure it exists. Fucking getting weak. They were much more badass when they were poor in the first season. Now they got money and they're like, if you want to see my boobies and my dong, you better pay up. Yeah, we used to see Danny's boobs all the time. Yeah. All right. Body doubles now because she got that money, boy. All right, let's um, let's talk about Tyrion's creeping. Why the fuck is he creeping? I don't know. It's real freaking gross, and it freaks me out, and I don't understand. That's the only reason why I feel like he has some type of alliance with Cersei, or maybe he's just like, fuck, now they're in love. They're not going to do a good job, like, ruling the world and stuff. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It was just weird. That's all. Yeah. No, I don't want a between-the-legs genitals close-up, John. No, I don't know what I wanted. Something, I don't know. I guess it was fine. I don't know. He didn't want them to bang either. Yeah. Just like me. Well, what are you going to do? I want to see them commit to the fucking, if they're going to make it, make us watch incest, make us watch it. No. Oh my um, God. All right. So I don't know why he's creeping. I don't really understand it. Maybe he's thinking about something. Um, we never saw the end of his meeting with Cersei. I couldn't really tell you. I'm not really sure. I don't know. I don't have any answers, but he certainly is. Maybe we can think about it between now and the recap episode, but I got nothing right now on it. Yeah. All right, go ahead and uh, let's roll out the Deadpool results. Why don't you start with the host pool? Want to at least talk about the last scene of the episode? Argue which one? Where the fucking dragon takes down the wall, the most important part of basically the entire show Um, so far. Yeah, let's do it. Dragon destroys the wall. It's awesome. He looks very fucking cool, and he sounds amazing. And Tormund's alive because because John Marginson said so. So I can sleep well until twenty nineteen. Yes, I think he's alive because the way they show him across looking back at the destruction makes me think that it was the other side that got destroyed based on the way they were looking. What I like in this scene is when all of this happens and the, they're coming and oh, the dragon so comes and Tormund immediately is just like, run! Right. Like yeah. he doesn't try to be a fucking hero. He he just is like, fuck it, get out of here. Um, I love Tormund and know who stock is really on the rise right now. Beric Dondarrion. Indeed. Like his stock, he meant nothing to me. And now his stock is on the rise. He is a cool character. I'm really into him. He could be a boyfriend next season. I don't know. Like, really? The, Beric, the possibilities are endless it. for Beric Dondarian. And I like to say his name, Beric Dondarian. It's actually my favorite name to say. It's a good name to say. I don't know why. I love saying it. Every time I say it, it makes me happy. And I never just call him Beric. I always call him Beric Dondarian mm-hmm. because it's awesome. He's a bro. Glad he's alive. Glad that, you know, you didn't have fucking 17 people on your Deadpool die and I, I killed myself. I almost myself. hit the lottery on this episode, huh? Yeah, I almost hit the lottery. Um, Never. I like the way they made the ice dragon sound. By the way, can we talk about what that... Is that is that fire so hot it's blue? Melting ice? Or is it some sort of like... I don't know, Magical but blasting force that's blowing up the wall. I couldn't really tell. I like it. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm glad Beric's alive and Tormund is still alive, I guess. Yeah, so... But, what do you mean you guessed? You want to do with Brianna to make out with her and have babies with her? How dare you? All right, so let's move past that because if you say it again, I'm probably going to hang myself. Well, good. 
All right. Can you tell me who won that? Let's talk Deadpool. You tell me who won the host Deadpool this year. Who was it? It was you, but that's because what? I was doing the Deadpool for next year. <laughs> who won? Who are? Oh, boy. No one's going to have more people from their Deadpool this year die next year. Me. <laughs> might not do a Deadpool next year. Might do a date a, a different way. So hold no your horses. Who has, is the winner for like the most people that lived? Me. <laughs> the most right. people that didn't even come close to death? Me. All right. So I won. Who are my picks? I don't know. I don't have that in front of me, and I don't care. You had Thoris of Mir and Peter Baelish. Yay. I also had Barrack in, in uh, Thor- Torment, so you were really shitting. I wanted to pick Baelish, and if I wouldn't pick Cersei first overall, I would have had Baelish. So fuck you, Cersei, for ruining my life yet again. Boosh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You want to talk about the rest of it? Sure. I'd like to go over some statistics with you about the Deadpool as we lead up to our winners. Okay, go. Which is how it worked this year. Thanks to Johnny Butters, as he's known. He is known. So we set up uh, six divisions and each had 13 participants. And every listener got six picks. So that's 468 picks that we were organizing. There were 50 different characters who were picked. Total. Only nine of them died. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Um, There were no deaths in episode one. Episode two had the death of Obara Sand. Episode three had the death of Tyann Sand and Olena Tyrell. Nobody in episode four. Uh, five had Randall and Dickon. Six, our heaviest death count, had Thoros, Viserion, and Vengeance Stark. And uh, episode seven had Littlefinger. So that's it. That's Those are our deaths. Um, anyway, the way this goes, sometimes there is a tiebreaker, which is the order of death. So there were some divisions where people had two deaths. And in that case, the person who had their deaths happen first is the winner. I'm just going to read the winner and who they had on their pool. Um, yeah. Um, so in the Crown Lands, the winner is the same person who is holding strong all season, Viscount Kime, Master of Coin, a.k.a. Frank Kime, who had Obara and Elena. Um, literally Become. since the death of Olena Tyrell, nothing has changed. He has ruled his division. Um, in the North... Lord Black Snow, a.k.a. David, D-L-K-J, who had Baelish and Benjen, that he wins his division. Jesus. On the Riverlands, it is Lord Peter of the South, a.k.a. Peter Bolton. What a name, as I feel like I say every time I talk about him, um, who had Lord Baelish and Obra Sand. On uh, the Stormlands, it was Sir Vanderveer, the Lightning Lord, a.k.a. Jan- J. Vanderveer, who had Benjen and Viserion. Nice. Again, no movement there in a little while. Um, the Westerlands had Lord Jackson, Great Lion of the Rock, who jumped on recently, uh, a.k.a. Thomas Jackson. He had Olena and recently the death of Baelish. And our biggest winner, in my opinion, because they had the most people die, uh, was in the Vale, uh, Lady Sturbling, Light of the East, Martina nice. Sturbling. She had Thoris of Mir, Dick on Tarly, and Lord Peter Baelish. That's the only person with three. Guys, last season, we had three winners who had fucking all six people on their Deadpool die. This Damn. season is a bunch of idiots with two and one person who had three. <laughs> I'm like not trying to call you idiots, them. but <laughs> only nine people died. Oh, shit. If you had six people in your Deadpool out of nine, that's insanity. You would just have to take, I don't even know. Anyways, if you're a winner and you're listening to this podcast, we need your mailing address. So please email it to us at john at libertystreetgeek.net. That's john at libertystreetgeek.net. So if you're a winner and your name was read, hopefully you're paying attention. If not, hit the rewind button. 
You're going to email your address and information to john at libertystreetgeek.net. Do not make him wait or you're not getting dick. Yeah, we'll find <laughs> another prize person. Another right. person to give a prize to, okay? Awesome. All right, cool. Um, well, yeah, man, that was a lot of fun. And congrats to the winners. Um, you guys who eked it out with only a couple of picks. You guys got some sweet prizes coming. Like I said, you're going to get an email uh, detailing what those prizes are. We got some pretty cool shit. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So that's John at LibertyStreetGeek.net. All right, let's get to a couple of listener comments and then say goodbye for now. I would like to start things off with the following. Uh, Michael Claudio says, no, no, no. Yeah, Jesus Christ, this computer is annoying me. Michael Claudio says, I think somehow Cersei turned Tyrion. When he walks back to the pit, he has a grim look on his face, and then his sister shows up. Wouldn't Tyrion be happy if he brought her back to the table? Ultimately, I think Cersei, being pregnant, altered his view on everything with their conversation about her dead children. When he is looking into the room where Danny and John are, I can only wonder if he is actually spying for Cersei. Since he already knows the truth is false, is a false truce and wants the Lannister name to live on past the war. Um, he was challenged on this opinion by John by saying, doesn't matter though, Jamie's riding north. They're going to hear the double cross anyway, to which he replies, you make a valid point unless he's just keeping the appearance that the truth is, is still valid. Uh, and John says, one guy instead of an entire army doesn't really keep the appearance of a truce. And then Michael says, I was under the impression that he may take some of the forces. John says, maybe, but we didn't see it happen. Um, and then Michael Claudius says, so I forgot about the closing scene when Jamie with no armor leaving King's Landing, so I was wrong. He is going north alone. Um, but he didn't say he was backing off on the idea that Tyrion has been flipped. So he thinks Tyrion has been flipped. Interesting. Um, the only real evidence we have is highly circumstantial, which is just Tyrion's demeanor. Him being a creep and right. watching people bang. Right, which is hardly inclusive. It's interesting to talk about for sure. Um, do you have anybody you'd like to read? Yeah, I'm going to read a comment. It's from Gina Rose, who I think is in the chat. She is. She's awesome. Um, she says, I think the writers did a good job digging themselves out of the purgatory they created this season. All these weird storylines fell into place. Arya and Sansa conspiring against Littlefinger. Ice Dragon really is the only way the wall would come down. So Danny had to lose one saving John to make that happen. Danny and John being together will make for a power trip next season. I predict Danny gets pregnant and John refuses to have his child grow up a bastard, so they wed. Did I say John? I meant Aegon fucking Targaryen. Yep. Bam. Bam. There's quite a few good ones in here. And uh, they're all, when I say, these listener comments are largely coming from Facebook. Um, if you want to email us feedback on any of our podcasts, be it, you know, Game of Thrones, any of our other shows we cover, the Science Fiction Film Podcast, <clears throat> you can just send them to hosts at libertystreetgeek.net. That's hosts. At libertystreetgeek.net. We'll put you in the conversation. All right. Where is this? Um, Carlos. Uh, Susan York. That's the one I wanted to find. This was an epic episode, but I finally, happily, got a look at Aegon, or John's tush, and that <laughs> good old-fashioned incest love. I got Jamie giving the old fuck off to Cersei. I finally saw the annoying little finger die, and the ending was scary as fuck. But what's up with Tyrion creeping on John and Danny? <laughs> right? Is he in love with Danny? I didn't even think about that. Does he somehow know that John is Aegon? It was kind of a tiny cliffhanger. Um, as for Littlefinger, that was absolutely fun for the audience to see. However, it was a bit of a cheat, <clears throat> which I Great. I agree with. Um, she also says, more fuckery was John storming off. Was he storming off? Or was he still with Cersei? I think that was answered. I'm not sure if she missed that. And then she says, Sam coming in 
to have a chat with Bren and Bren saying he knows everything. But then Sand tells me something he doesn't know. She calls that fuckery. I call that. He probably can see Sam coming in the room but doesn't know what he's going to say. And then she says, but I love the show. Bring the fuckery. I saw John's ass and I don't have to see Littlefinger leaning on walls menacingly anymore. I'm picking it <laughs> apart and probably should not do so because it was satisfying to me. Boom. Awesome. Well, thanks to everybody who wrote in. Thanks to everybody who's continued to listen to us throughout the season. We had a really good year this year in terms of new listeners, new participation in chat, lots of new people downloading the show, um, which is great. Continue to share it. Continue to uh, show us some love and make sure you follow us on Twitter at LSG Media. All right. Anything you want to say about this before we call it a night? Now we're going to do a wrap up at some point. So I think we can save any final thoughts for then. Also have to be awake in six hours. I'm tired. Cool. <laughs> I would tend to agree with that. Since we are going to do a wrap up show, I think we'll save some of our thoughts for that one and just bid these good people adieu. Thanks for hanging out in the chat, guys. It was, it was very active tonight. Yes. And we love that. So thank you very much, good people. And adieu. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out LSG Media's coverage of A Game of Thrones. Make sure you check us out on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net, where you can see other shows we have like The Walking Dead and the Science Fiction Film Podcast. All right, folks, we will catch you next week. Have a good one. All right, here. As promised, I wanted to tell you what we were teasing you in the middle of the episode, and that is this. Uh, John Marginson, uh, one of our producers over here at LSG Media, he is actually um, going to be joining me for a side project. And that side project, we hope to be a bit of a history of Westeros. Um, This is something that him and I talked about at length. Uh, We're still continuing to talk about it, but we are looking to releasing uh, a new podcast um, that is about Game of Thrones, but more about the events before what we see in the TV show. <clears throat> now, we might go through this. Uh, this might be a limited release, 20 episodes, could be 50 episodes. We don't know. We got to narrow down recording times. John is a new father, so his time is precious. And uh, we are excited to talk about this, uh, and we are looking forward to trying to do this. Now, we weren't even going to make mention of this until we were all 100% committed, but maybe by telling people, it keeps us on the hook a little bit. So. This is something we're looking at getting into next year, um, which is uh, something that we think would be timed right for us. So our plan is to get into a History of Westeros type of podcast where we talk about things like the Black File Rebellion or the Nine Penny Wars, or maybe we just have an episode called Tywin Lannister and we go back through his history or we look at uh, Aegon or any of the other Targaryen kings or anything like that. Most of this source material will be coming from a world of ice and fire. Uh, some of it will be coming from the novels, of course, and the perspectives of characters reflecting on history and uh, some of the other side novels that exist, specifically the one about Duncan the Tall. So this is something we're looking to do. Uh, we can't guarantee that this is going to get off the ground, but we are going to put it out there as a teaser in the hopes that it does, in the hopes that we get some pressure from our listeners to actually make it happen. So that's the surprise you waited for. We are super excited about it. We really want to do this. We really want to do it right. And uh, we're going to take our time in figuring out how to execute this if possible. So there you go. That's the excitement. That's the news we had. Enjoy. Oh, and thanks for uh, hanging out with us for another season. It was a blast. You guys have a good night. Bye.